Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Friday, finally. It's October 27th. We are here live. The first hour is a free-for-all, so jump in and join us. Anything goes. If you have a question, a comment, a topic, we'll talk about it. Pick up the phone and dial 855-950-3835. We'll get to those calls pretty quick today, so line them up. Uh, In the second hour, I'll be joined by Joel and Henry and Alec, and we'll continue on um, with the free-for-all, but we'll put more of a focus on efficiency. I'm going to talk to the guys this morning. I think we might uh, start focusing the Friday show on making it through the bottom, making it through a a tough economy. Uh, We're going to be in this a while. The three people joining me have tons of experience. They know how to make it through tough times. This isn't their first recession. It'd be interesting to know how many owner-operators, the, the data might be out there if somebody had enough time to dig, how many owner-operators in existence today, and I'm talking about just one truck, guys, how many of them got their truck after 2010? Because if you've been in this market after 2010, you really don't know what a down market's like. The, uh, the people who do, they've been through this before. This is going to be a tough one. I've been saying it for a long time, and it's looking more and more like it is going to be a tough time. Uh, I just read Heartland. Now, I've been talking about Heartland for decades, how well run they are for a a bigger fleet. Their operating ratio is usually in the 80s, which is just outstanding for an over-the-road operation. They usually put out some of the best numbers in the industry, their operating ratio went over 100. That's not good. We want our operating ratio to be low. We want that number to be lower. The lower it is, the more profit you're making. When it goes over 100, you're losing money on every mile. I, I've just never expected to see Heartland in that position. Now, part of it is driver pay going up. I talked about that while it was going up, that it was going to put fleets in a tough position because you can't lower it when rates go back down. Heartland made some other financial decisions. This isn't just rates and expenses for them. They made some other financial decisions, um, whether it was bad timing or they knew it was happening, but needed to do it anyway. I'm not sure. But it's just shocking to see Heartland putting out such abysmal numbers. We're going to lose a lot of people. What we have to. I mean, that's the problem. It really is supply and demand. You know, somebody posted this morning, rates should be $4 a mile. I don't even know what to say when I see that. Well, I do know what to say. I asked them the question, why and how will that happen? And you get crickets. Nobody even attempts to answer the question when they set this random rate. Well, rate should be this. Well, well, says who? Supply and demand says different. And honestly, I've never really seen supply and demand be wrong, even though people want to act like it doesn't exist and it doesn't matter. Where do we come up with these rates? $4 a mile. Uh, Well, who pulled that out of their ass? Why $4 a mile? Why not make it six then? If we get to just pick what the rate is, it is just such total ignorance of how business works. 
then these people are wondering why they're frustrated and they, they can't run a business. They actually believe that they are entitled to whatever rate they need to make a profit. That's where they pull these numbers out of. It's just whatever rate they think they need to make a profit, no matter what their expenses are. You know, I'm working with somebody right now, and and he's being a really good sport about it. I've been very hard on him on the air several times, and he's, he's been a great sport. But it is a great example. His expenses are too high. There's almost nothing we can do about it now. He bought equipment that was so overpriced when he bought it, it makes his cost really high and he can't get rid of it. You can't fix that problem once you've made it. You can't get out of that equipment because you owe more than it's worth. You can't get the titles. You can't sell it. You will have no money to go buy something else. He didn't put enough money down on it because he didn't have enough money. There was no real focus on fuel economy or maintenance cost when he bought that equipment. And now that we're in this rate environment, I wish I had better answers, but I don't. People will go out of business. Nobody is entitled to a profit ever. You have to earn every penny of it. And you never get big enough to get out of that situation ever. In fact, it gets worse. Look at a company like Heartland. They've been doing this a long time. They've been through many of these recessions. They're pretty good at it. Mostly positive they'll make it through this one, but they, they've got some challenges now. You don't ever get to just sit back and expect that your business should, should throw off a profit just because you show up. It's not enough. It will never be enough. It's why most people shouldn't be in business. It's why getting in at the top of a market is so dangerous. People that got in at the top when they got in thought everything was fine. They were paying the bills. They were putting some money in the bank. They were doing all right. Now they they look around. They can't figure out what happened. And they think that somebody's cheating them. This is how business works. Getting in at the top is dangerous. I don't know how many times I've said that. Getting in at the bottom is a much better strategy. If rates are so bad right now, we put together a business plan and you just can't make a profit and shouldn't get into business, well, then that's a sign that you just shouldn't get into business. What it would take to get in at the bottom of this kind of market is is quite a bit of cash that you're willing to burn through because you're going to burn through some cash to get going in a market like this. But if you survive, you're kind of golden. We, we will now see all of the problems that occur when you get into a market at the top and you do nothing to make sure your model will work when the market slides and the market's sliding. But you know what? The rates are not that bad right now. They're really not. We're kind of back to what could have been considered a pretty normal year prior to 2020. Now, expenses have gone way up. Hmm. So who's in a better position? People who have already really worked hard to control their expenses, who know how to get eight, nine, even 10 miles to the gallon, who realize that slowing down not only improves fuel economy, but really lowers maintenance costs as well and stress. This isn't really that difficult. It's just shocking to me how many people don't get it and then want to fight back against it. 
All right, let's uh, let's see. Oh, what do you mean we don't have any calls yet? Nope. Oh, hold on. Let me refresh things. Oh, we have uh, we've got one in the queue. All right. Well, oh no, we don't. I don't know what's going on with the phones right now. Um, are we screening calls? Board looks a little odd this morning. Um, all right. Looks like we've got some coming in. We'll uh, we'll get to a call here pretty quickly. Go ahead and join us. Eight five five. Nine five zero three eight three five. I have some other things I could talk about, but I'd rather get to some phone calls right now. Uh, I did get a good night's sleep, if anybody cares. First time in probably about two months. My body battery got all the way up to 75. Man, I haven't seen that in a while. I think I'm finally starting to break the stress a little bit. Um, I'm just now really starting to write my keynote, which is a little stressful, but believe it or not, a week for me to write something is actually a long time. I've written some of my presentations the morning of, but I think I finally, finally broke the stress a little bit, got a decent night's sleep last night, feel a little better. I am going to get started and be very strict on my stress protocol for the next week. Nothing like cramming at the end, huh? Um, but again, when you do the stress protocol, I'm going to do it twice a day every day for the next week. And it will be incredible what it's going to change. I'll, uh, I'll post some numbers. I expect to add, my goal is to add 15 points to my HRV. We'll see what happens. Um, it might not be hard because I'm pretty low right now. But uh, I'll keep you updated on that. Phone calls are starting to come in, so we're going to get to it. Let's go to Illinois. Chuck, welcome. Hi, Kevin. It's me again. All right. We got some numbers today. Um, I, yes, I just emailed them to Morgan. At okay. Let's talk about Let me see right. if uh, they... Because I'm currently rolling at the same time. Got yeah. it. Got, which is good. I like that. Um, let me see if I um, have got it yet. Uh, doesn't look like it. Let me so ask. while you're... Can... Yeah, just sent it a couple of minutes ago, so it may be still in the atmosphere somewhere. <laughs> okay. Um, I but will. I do stay out two to three weeks at a time, to be honest with you. Um, this is my second truck that I bought. Well, okay. Let's um, uh, let's stop but, right there, and let's go back to the first. There may okay. be some stuff in there that'll help me. Tell me about your first truck. When did you buy it? What was it? Give me whatever um, details you got. It was uh, <laughs> it was a 2011 Peterbilt 386, got some super fancy, uh, 13 speed, 22 fives, 355 rears, had an APU on it, um, Cummins, I, that was the first truck, paid that off 10 months early. Uh, while I was doing that, the uh, parcel of the land that I acquired from dad before he passed away um, had a, he parceled it off part of the property so that he could have a rental trailer on it. The people owned the trailer, they passed away. So I outright bought the trailer from the family once their whole spiel was all done or whatever. So there's no payments on that. That's just income of 800 a month on rent for that. That's on that PDF. Um, That's when shortly after I paid off the the old truck was, it was starting to eat oil really good. What what year was that? Let's go back. What year was that? 2019. Okay. 2019. Using a lot of oil. Give me some numbers. How many miles to a gallon? 
of oil? Uh, five to seven, five to seven thousand. That's still usable. Transmit. How many miles were on this truck? When I was, when I got it, rough. It was seven hundred twenty-five thousand. When I got it, had a fresh two-year rebuild on it by the dealership that I bought it from. With paperwork, I had the paperwork too. But by the time I was done driving it, it was uh, just shy of a million. So there's several things wrong with this story, um, or that I don't like. Not wrong. I, I believe you're telling me the truth. One, I've talked about this a lot. When an, when a truck has an in-frame way earlier than expected, today's engine should easily go about 1.2 million miles. In fact, the newer ones are doing even better than that. I'm not sure how we're going to wear out these new engines from what I'm seeing. But historically, um, since we've had electronic engines in the 80s, a million two should be a target. Now, this one had an in-frame at 700,000. My question is, why? What went so wrong? Was the maintenance that poor? Was this one of those Friday trucks before a holiday weekend? Why did we have to rebuild this thing? Did, did, it, did you ever find they out why? It was, it was on the paperwork. It was from that famous carbon packing that Cummins likes to do back then. Okay, so uh, that's not horrible then. Now we've got a fresh engine. Tell me why a fresh engine is only going five to 7,000 miles before burning a gallon of oil when you've only got about 300,000 miles on it. I had, it, had, it had roughly 200 on the end frame when I got it. Okay, so we're and still I at 500. But, that, but so, again, an in frame should go a million miles before it burns oil. I, I thought my um, exhaust manifold was leaking, so I had it resealed up, and the mechanics told me that they could see that the valve seals were seeping really bad. Yeah, so it sounds like there's more problems with this engine uh, than just carbon packing. It sounds like this came from that fleet, that truck came from a fleet with really poor maintenance or an owner operator, whoever had it. it sounds like just really poor maintenance practices. Um, I probably still would have kept it. Uh, what kind of fuel economy did that one get? Less than six. What are you getting now? Lifetime five seven. Oof. Brought, yeah. Well, this is the new truck now that I'm in. Yes, I know. Uh, Thirty day is five eighty six right now. Okay. So, so I, I've already beat you up over the truck numbers. They're they're just not good. Oh yeah. They're they're. It's tough to make a profit with those kind of numbers. Not impossible. And right now, your rate's strong. So we are going to spend more time seeing if there's good news in your personal numbers. So it looks like you are bringing in roughly about 10.8 a month uh, or closer, 10, I guess. That was projected. Actual was 9,600. All right. It, by the way, did a beautiful job on this form and these expenses. Thank you. Makes that's, it. That's my wife. Yeah, make well. Thank her for me. Then it makes it much easier for me to Absolutely. do this when it's uh, when it's put together so well like this. So let me. Uh, Things like that. She lives. She lives for to do. <laughs> all right. Uh, wait a minute. I'm a little confused with some math, though. Let me go back through this to see what it is I'm looking at. I think the lines, the way she set it up, was projected, actual, 
and yeah, whatever the which, difference was. Yeah, which, that's fine. Yeah, which I like. I like that. What I'm okay. Total projected cost. Total actual cost. Forty seven hundred. And your income was 96. The only thing I see missing is just one more piece of math, and I just did it myself in my head. Um, somewhere we should just show actual income, actual expense, and what's left. I mean, that was kind of the number I'm looking for. And this form was awesome, but I can't believe they didn't. Oh, okay. But I can't believe they didn't put that line on here somewhere. But I can do the math. Um, it's. Actual monthly ninety six hundred coming in, and forty seven going out. That's the best news in this whole story. You 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 can make this work. You've done some. You've made some really bad mistakes in the business. The good news is it looks like you've been very responsible in your personal spending. I tried very hard to do that. I even in the same phone call. Uh, we're down to just internet for cable. No more streaming services. Got it. Uh, now, let me ask you one more question. Uh, let me ask you one more question. Sure. Because I really like these numbers, and this is good news. This this makes the whole story, um, there's a different ending possible than what I was thinking. My question is, though, with this kind of a budget, where's all the cash? I mean, you're okay. showing a surplus. like the... Well, we'll hold, you're showing sure. a surplus. Let me do them at 96 and 47. I mean, you're showing a surplus of, of almost $5,000 a month. That would mean that at the end of a year, you should have $60,000 in your savings account. Where's all the savings? Unexpected expenses. Of well, wait, wait. Dog got wait. sick. There wait. was almost 10, you know. I mean, I'm just a couple of no. unexpected expenses. Things got burned up, and that's what happened. Okay. Unfortunately, it, that, it was uncontrollable type thing that you know what I mean. Did not foresee it coming, and old shit. Here it is. That that's what life is, and those should be reflected yes. somewhere here in the budget. Because again, if I looked at this, I'd be going that like, was, "Wait a minute! You, you keep telling me about these unexpected expenses, but I don't see any in this report." That was all at the end of last year. Sorry, I didn't, didn't oh, think to put that oh, in. Okay, so. so let me redo my math. So. If all of those unexpected things happened last year, we are now in our 10th month. You should have $50,000 in the bank then, based on your budget. And I'm pushing okay. on this because I need to get to the real numbers. Sure. If these numbers are real, this is good news. But I'm trying to figure out if this is a true budget, where did the rest of the cash go? I think you have more homework. Right. Oh, God, I'm willing to do more homework. Yeah, I think, I think you and your wife need to go back and sit down, look at your bank balance on January 1st of this year. Write that number down. Sure. This is how much cash we had on hand at the beginning of this year. Then do your budget for each month, kind of like you did here, and then show the bank balance at the end. And if they, if the math doesn't so work, it all, means you're missing some a bunch of expenses somewhere. All on all all the accounts that I have, correct? Combine correct. them together. Right. Right. Yeah. Because yeah, now, I let, have. A, let me ask you this. Let me, let me sure. ask you another question. Are you carrying any kind of balances on credit cards or loans? 
one credit card and the business loan for the trailer. So how much is on the one credit card? Just over seven. See, this isn't making sense. But you shouldn't have any balances on credit cards based on how much money you, you're showing you have left over every month. You could have easily paid that off. It would have only taken you two months. Based on the budget you're showing me, in actually six weeks, you could have paid down that 7000 Right. So I think you've got to go back. So we need and, to go and back through our numbers go back, and refine yeah. things. Do, do this exercise that you just did with this same form. Do it for every month of this year. Right. And let's oh, fi- okay. And okay. then, like sure. I said, let's look at your cash on hand on January 1st. And then we're going to look at your cash on hand and do the math and say, wait a minute, there's money missing or there's not. And then we'll know what's going on. But right now, this looks like good news, but it's still not making sense to me. I got you. Oh, I understand. No, I... No. If nothing else, you're going to be very familiar with all your numbers when we're done with all this. Well, yeah, because most of the time I look at my fund when I do the profit gauges, I look, okay, this is what I made for this month after expenses. Like yeah, one month, I only ended up with two cents a mile for the month. I'm just speaking of what happened. Hey, and so, I know I should be looking at the rest of it. And you're right. Yes, it, it's good that you're looking at your business numbers. That's excellent. So many people don't, most of those people are already out of business. Um, it seems like we've got some discrepancies in the personal money, and we got to figure out why. Sure. Oh, maybe, yeah, I agree. May, maybe your wife's embezzling from you. I don't you. think she put in all the... <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> she is. Then, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if she is, I'm um, going to have to send you to Dr. Phil for but that I don't, one. She, she didn't... <laughs> right, no problem. Um, she didn't put in what we were paying out for... The true, you know, I mean, the true cable bill, I can, and what the uh, streaming services were. She did not, I noticed that wasn't in there. That's, that's what so we there's, there's figures in there that are missing on, on that. I can think of that right off the top of my head. Yeah, that, that's what we've got to go back to. The cable bill is going to be, is lower than what, um, yeah, I, yeah it was but, over 200 a month okay. for TV, cable, you know. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Got it. And we're like, yeah, let's cut that out. It, and yeah. see, this this is one reason why I'm so hard on numbers. You found a place where, where you were spending money and you didn't feel like you were getting the value out of it. And you fixed that now. That's excellent. Yeah. So did she put the storage container that's in there? Because that, that's going away next month. Uh, let me see. Should be $92 a month. Yes, that is in there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, the, so yeah, because yeah, the, we rented a storage container to clean out a three-car garage. So got yeah, it. That was fun. Yeah, I'll bet. No, yeah. let let's. Uh, we're on the right track. There, there is some potential good news here. Let Let's go back and dig a little deeper and do a little more of the hard work. And uh, call me back with like the budget for the year this year. Kind of do it by the month, and let's see if we can find out where the money is. Maybe maybe your wife's going to surprise you. It's buried in the backyard. <laughs> we'll see. Hopefully it's in the old bars. Something, yeah. All right. Oh, well, wow. congratulations. Yeah. Um, you, you did the work. You didn't wait till over the weekend. That's an excellent step. Now you've got the weekend. 
Uh, and it'd be awesome if you were the first call on Monday. Well, at least 34 hours of it, any. There you go. For a restart. Yep. Let's give that a shot and see what we can come up with. Sounds good, sir. All right. Take care. All right. I hope that turns out to be as much good news as it looks like. Let's uh, let's go to Kansas. Neil, welcome to the program. Hey, I thought I'd call in and pull some of your dead air. <laughs> um, I love the idea of starting out, you know, from the bottom. But I don't know if I completely agree that you need as much cash to do that to burn through as... I mean, I guess it depends on if you're planning on starting with your own authority or not. You know, but I mean, I, this kind of down market, you know, 10 grand and you're there. You can I, kind of cash flow it. It's a little risky. I, I, I you know, that that's well, true. And, and I've done that more times than I can count. So I agree with you. If you've got that risk tolerance, if you've got the hustle, if you're willing to go out there and take some risk, I, I agree. This is a market that's pretty easy to get started in. There's cheap trucks, there's cheap equipment. Um, the rates are still really not that bad. Uh, if they were, this last guy I was talking to would have been done already. Uh, his rates are still holding up at above two bucks a mile, which is kind of keeping him in business right now. So yeah, you're right. Um, when you have a chance to look at it and start off with really low expenses, you could cash flow a lot of this. Uh, I just try to get people to, to really increase their odds. And honestly, there's no hurry to start right now either. I think we're going to be in this place at the bottom for quite a while. So it, nobody needs to be in a hurry thinking they're somehow going to miss the bottom. I'm sure, well, I'm not sure, but I, my best prediction is we've got probably a year of these conditions. Oh, no, that's not, I mean, I hope it's not quite that long, but Maybe I do, but even <laughs> if you're willing to look outside the box, I mean, you know, I'm sure there's probably a few other people like TJ that are willing to finance, you know, used trucks and, you know, it's almost buying your way into a mentorship because he's selling you something he's invested in you finishing. Yeah. And it's pretty short term. Yeah, I agree. You know, so I mean, you know, what I see said, Hey, to put 15 grand down, that's even better than the, uh, what I used to joke about is my Kevin Rutherford special, my $8,000 million mile <laughs> truck we started with, you know, right in the bottom of 08 and 09. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. that, that thing was horrendous, you know, but I made so much freaking money with that truck. That That's the thing. I mean, you couldn't lose. Right. That That's the thing. You know, and, and TJ posted that truck for sale. I would have been all over that thing. That to me was the kind of truck you buy in a market like this. And immediately there were comments. Oh, it's old. It's worn out. What? A, that's a horrible deal. Like, what the hell are you guys talking about? First off, it's not old. It's not well, worn they, out. They, it's got a lot of life left in it. Well, they want to pack our truck with, you know, Chrome and, I guess. you know, $300 shop rates. I mean, I'll pass. I'll, you know, we built our fleet and cut our fleet on those 600,000 mile trucks. They're, they're, I mean, we're now in a place where we can buy newer ones, but that's that's where we started at. You know, the, there's a lot of money to be made on those trucks. I, I, if I had the time, I, I could probably go back through and, and calculate this. That the best bargain in the truck world are those six, seven hundred, eight hundred thousand mile trucks. I, I'll bet if we were to calculate out 
Um, if you buy a brand new truck, here's your cost over the next four years. If you buy a 300,000 mile truck, here's your cost over the next four years. If you buy an 800,000 mile truck, here's your cost over the next four years. My guess is that truck wins. It's got the lowest cost of operation. You know, I, you know, cause I can give an example. We were buying similar trucks, similar price range in 2020 during the downturn. We were buying those with 600,000 miles. As long as let me, let me, you know, preface that we did our homework. They were spec'd right. Yes. We, you know, looked at them and we, we actually, and we made some mistakes, but we bought trucks from fleets with a history of strong maintenance programs yep. and efficiency. So there were a couple different fleets we targeted that we bought from. And there were, there were some, I think our average price point was between 25 and $35,000. We would buy them and between 600 and low 600,000 mile range. And we've turned around and we're just starting to export them now. And we're getting between 16 and $20,000 back for them. That's crazy. So, you know, and we put that, that those numbers yeah, are so truck. good. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, you know, and people question me like, Oh, how are you paying so well? How are you doing what you're doing? You've got to be lying. Well, no, we <laughs> built the shop. We control our maintenance, you know, and you know, and we have, instead of spending $200,000 for a new truck that will have the same per mile cost after the first year is over to operate, we're able to come in and have for three years, three to four years, you know, what's that average cost for a truck? $2,000 a year yeah. for acquisition costs? Yeah. That, you can't do that. That's a free truck. It is. Yeah. And, you know, the the, the issue here is... You and I can sit here and talk about all the things you did to get to the position you're in right now. You bought trucks right. You paid attention to the specs. You operated them right. You got them at a great price. You kept them, took care of them, ran them uh, in a way that you're able to get a really good price back out of them. You manage your cost and then you take the excess and you pay your drivers better. We could go through this stuff and we could outline it easily everything you do in an hour wouldn't even i bet it we could do it in 20 minutes but here's the difference there's it, it seems to me like somewhere around 90 percent of the people that buy trucks never do any of that stuff and when you try to talk to them about it they act like it would not make any difference they act like it's not important to do that oh that's not the reason i'm the reason is the rate should be four dollars a mile where the hell do they come up with that kind of thinking? You know, I'm lost on it. I mean, but the $8,000 truck, what's missed in that is when I ran it, and don't get me wrong, I ran it on a shoestring. You know, we took an earned income tax credit for the year that came out, and that's what yeah. I started with. <laughs> right. And we had no money behind us. Yeah. And, you know, we budgeted, and I put a couple thousand dollars a month into that truck for a year. And we learned or I learned specifically, yeah. you know, how to operate it, you know, how to cut the costs, you know, and I made so many mistakes and was able to learn so much. It was, you know, almost a paid education, but that environment, as long as you understand that the, you know, the risk is on your shoulder 24 seven and you've got to put that grit down and learn and, and really hustle. Yeah. To figure it out. Yeah. You know, that that starting point, I think, is it. You know, if you get to you the know, other end, you're there. You know, I, I think what might mess with some people, I don't know, because I hear this a lot. Driving is a tough job. 
I mean, sometimes I make light of it, and it, but it, it, it's a lot of hours. It's a lot of hassle. I get all that. You either kind of love this and you do it or you don't. Uh, I think people get to the point where they think they're working so hard they have to succeed. They're working hard, but what aren't they doing? They're just not doing the hard work. They are working hard. I, I don't think any of these people are sitting at home trying to get by on 80,000 miles a year and wondering why they're not making it. In fact, I see the opposite. These guys are running way harder than I would ever want to run, and they're still struggling because they can't figure out that it's not working hard. That ma- Working hard is just a given. If you're going to succeed in business, you have to work hard. You have to put in hours. I mean, I still put in way more hours than I ever would as an employee. That's that's a given, though. That will not guarantee you success. All that does is keep you in the game. You have got to learn how to run a profitable business. You've got to do the hard work, and that's what they can't seem to understand. Well, and I think also they're, you know, a primary thing I hear is, you know, my business model is, I'm and, and I tried this and I hated it. I tried expediting. I think it sucks. Yes. Maybe it's good for some people. You know, they don't even know what they're saying when they're saying that's what they do. But, you know, I'm going to run on the load board. I'm going to grab the highest paying freight to wherever. And I'm going to wait till I get there and see what's there. You know, and I learned real right. quick that is miserable. It is miserable. You know, you, know, you figure out lanes. You, you figure out where you're going. You map plans. You know, and you do the math and figure out what's most profitable. And some lanes we did, the the rates looked fantastic, you know, but you factor in the time right. or the return loads or the entire triangle, and you're putting in way more energy and effort for what you end up at the end. Yep. You know, and, you know, and I think part of that is that mentality is I'm out to get mine and mine alone, and I'm so, never going to sit down with someone and say, hey, what can I do to benefit you? What can you do to benefit me? And how can we, you know, have a relationship that improves everyone? And when you get in those situations, I think doors and opportunities just open up. Absolutely. You know, in, in places you wouldn't expect to see them. Yep. And this this industry is loaded with opportunities. Here's something else that, that just kind of boggles my mind. Um, I posted the chart from Noel, which showed historically how contract rates and spot market rates have moved. Now, it's one chart based on one data set. It's just straight contract rates versus spot market rates. It's not taking into account fuel cost because fuel cost impacts rates, whether you get a fuel surcharge or not. But it's it's one data point. And I used the data point to try to make a point today. Things aren't really that bad. This is not even a down year yet. It's just that expenses are way up. And if you're not controlling expenses, you're in trouble. Well, one of the first responses was you were kind of trying to point out to these people that they keep claiming spot market rates are always higher. I don't know where the hell they get that data, but that's what they're trying to claim. So I post the chart that shows, well, that's not true. Here, look, their first response was, well, just because you read it on the Internet doesn't mean it's true. Give me a break. It's not just reading it on the Internet. I follow probably 15 different analysts in trucking. I look at 30 different data sets a week. This is real data. It's not something somebody wrote on the Internet. 
And then somebody says, well, wait a minute, that data doesn't match what I just saw in FreightWaves. It's because you're looking at two different data sets. They were designed to tell us two different things. So now there seems to be this huge distrust of the numbers somehow. Like, do, do they really believe people are manipulating these numbers? I, I, you know, I can go to Truck Stop, I can go to DAT, I can go to FreightWaves, I can go to several companies that analyze these numbers, and they're all showing basically the same thing. Do all their numbers match? No, because that's statistics. You have to understand how the data set was put together. But immediately, if they see a discrepancy, oh, the numbers are just all wrong. Uh, here's what I see. So I guess I should listen to one owner operator who tells me what the rates really are, and I should ignore all this data I've been reading for decades. Well, the industry is so uh, I don't want fragmented is not the right word, but it, it's so specialized, right. and so varied. There's nothing that's you know regional differences, uh, it, difference in freight, difference in market, difference in costs. Yes. You know, even though those are general numbers. In a particular area, doing a particular specialty, you could see something exactly. completely counter exactly. indicative of the market. Right. And if you're a small carrier, a small group, small company, I think it's your job to find those opportunities that are different. Absolutely. You know, you're not going to compete with Heartland. Heartland has figured out for decades how to operate at, you know, 75, 85% margins, insane margins. And if they've screwed up and they're at 102% and they have insane access to capital and economies of scale, right. if you're not specialized, if you don't differentiate yourself, you are in trouble. You know, you, they're going to take you out. Yep. You know, and it's, Absolutely. And it's not now, that they're doing it to be evil. They're just better at it than you will ever be. And that's how business that works. particular specific nope. subset. I, I doubt very many people in business ever wake up with the thought, I'm going to put my competition out of business today. I've never thought that way. All I ever focus on is my operation. I don't care what the hell anybody else is doing. I just need to make mine profitable. You know, here's something else I just thought of. They seem to have this huge distrust of numbers. Whatever number you post, they'll just claim it's wrong. But they really want to stand on this number that came out, oh, I don't know, six months or so back. We talked about it. The, the number from the fleets of what it costs to operate a truck per mile. They stand all over that number. Oh, look, look, here's the number. How can anybody make any money at this? Well, that's not, that was never my number. That's not your number. I've seen your numbers. It's not Matt's number. It's not Joel's number. It's not even close. But they stand on that. Look, here's what it costs to run a truck per mile. Nobody can make any money in this market. Well, yeah, if I open a terminal in L.A. and have $200,000 trucks and $150,000 trailers and pay wages and taxes there, my cost is going to be higher. Of course. That's, you know, a given. But I, I open a shop in a terminal, which I did, in Kansas. Schneider cannot open a shop for $150,000, right. which was our all-in costs to buy the property. To, to, to trans, you know, to change it to what we needed it to be, and for me to pay a mechanic a decent wage and get him in the door, and so, and some basic tools and what we needed to get started. I think we were about 150. Is it's not an exact number, so don't quote me on it. But I mean, Close the building enough. and acquisition cost was under 100. Right. You know, so we're we're there. You know, and we're able to do things and participate in some of those economies of scale that the mega carriers do. 
but at the same time, their costs are going to be higher to do things. You know, I have to cut, and they're not going to buy a thirty thousand dollars truck they and can't. fill up twenty grand. They can't. They have different they're, numbers, right? No. So that that's my opportunity to be more efficient than them. You know, it, we're able to still control our costs and could be there. It, it's very but, possible. You know, it, but like that you said, they don't relate. I, I didn't get to dig far enough into their numbers, but it's very possible that Heartland got hurt with some really expensive equipment that they just had to buy at that point. That That's just when you're running a fleet that size, you don't have all the options sometimes. Prices went way up. They may have been in their cycle where they needed to buy a bunch of equipment right then. Um, their cost goes up. They got stuck with bad timing. Uh, my guess is, though, they can easily weather the storm. Well, and then I think they did some acquisitions, too, right. because they were buying right. a lot of company over the last few years. And one of those might have been, you know, we bought something on the top end and, yeah. my God, it lost 20% of its value. Well, if, you know, if we I'm were sure. to take your cost of building the shop, hiring mechanics, if we were just to dump that into your numbers on the month after it happened, you'd be losing money. It would look like, well, wait, well, that, oh, was, a, that was a stupid decision. Look, now you're losing money. But you did that while you had good cash flow, while things were going well, you're able to do that. And now you're in a position where everybody else is screaming, the shop rates are killing me. I can't get my truck in. I can't get it out. And you have an advantage there now. Oh, yeah. It was by all means not a um, necessarily an instant cash decision. There was a lot of other decisions. Right. But then some of it was finance, you know, at like 4% interest. Yeah, which so, was smart. Know, 100000 of it building, 400 bucks a month. Maybe our mortgage in Texas is $800 a month. But you factor that over, you know, 14 trucks. That doesn't, you know, that right. doesn't even move the needle. Exactly. You know, you know, so the building and the startup for that, when I, I looked at it, was insanely low. And like you said, we're not showing up for $200 shop rates. Correct. I mean, we get a few, but not as many. Right. And, and for us, it was more, we, we, we saw an acceleration of our productivity and our, it limited our downtime. And it just opened up and it improved driver satisfaction. I mean, if a driver comes into us and we take, a, you know, our truck for a day and my mechanic goes up and down it and he leaves with faith in that truck and doesn't absolutely. have a breakdown for a month. Yep. You know. That yep. driver is hello happier. Yep. Hey, Neil, good stuff. Calls are piling up on me. I'm going to move along. Um, lots and lots of lessons right now. Hopefully, people are in a position to learn from these and not get crushed by them. Let's uh, let's go to North Carolina. Jim, welcome. Hey, Kevin. Long time no talk to you, but good to hear you. What's Always. on your mind today? Um, yeah, I'm in shock. Well, two things. You can pick both or one. I, I'm very, I'm most focused on all the killing around the world. You know, we, we care about our businesses and stuff. But to me, I really hate how the U.S. is involved in this Israel. I mean, even you, I, I mean, I could go on and on. To me, I, it's like a truck getting less than one mile to the gallon trying to survive. You know, so we can I, talk I, about that or we can talk about numbers. Well, I'll comment on that first and we can move on to the numbers. We can fit in both because there's not a lot to say about what's going on in the world. There is a lot, but it's not worth saying. Um, I have no idea what's going on with our country. I think we there, there's either something way bigger than I understand happening or 
Washington has just completely lost its mind, and there's nothing but money driving all of this now. We, I, I don't understand why we think we need to be the world's police. Um, it's none of our business, Thank and I, I know people don't like to— uh, other countries have issues we don't even understand. 99% of the people who have an opinion about what's going on in Israel right now couldn't explain to you what the Middle East is really all about. Very few Americans understand that, that whole issue over there. It's been going on for centuries. It's religious. It's not logical. Um, but yet we think we need to run in everywhere and be the world's police. Uh, there was a time where you might have been able to make an argument for that. I don't think we ever should have been doing it. But now... We can't do it because we're broke. How do we keep handing out money and spending money like this when we are absolutely broke? We're so far beyond broke, it's not even funny. We should not be in this war. We should not be sending any money to these countries. We maybe offer some diplomatic support. And other than that, we should just be out of it completely. And instead... I wake up this morning to find out we're in the war. How did that happen? I thought we had to add, have an act of Congress, but we're bombing Syria. But it's a mess. Yeah, Lebanon, Lebanon too. We're illegally in Lebanon again, doing the exact same thing, which is disgusting. You know, Reagan called that when Israel bombed the Twin Towers of Lebanon. You know, Reagan was mad at the Jewish people for overreacting. He actually called that a second Holocaust. And that's actually why Osama bin Laden got the idea for 9-11 in his own words on YouTube. He said, you know what? I was in Lebanon when I saw the Israel blow down the Twin Towers of Lebanon with people in them. I said, yeah, so with American weapons. So he said, America needs to taste out what it serves. I'm like, yeah, hey, you know, it's like, if we have, how can we? They say we don't want to learn from terrorists, but I'm willing to learn. You know, let's let, let's not keep this. I mean, what do we want? Another 9-11? I mean, come on. Yeah. But it, uh, anyway. Th- th- there's so many reasons we shouldn't be doing this, and it's not going to stop, obviously. Did you see? I tweeted you something. I listened to Judge Napolitano. I'm not a, really a CNN or a Fox person. I know he came from Fox. I really uh, respect him a lot and listen to his videos. But he tweeted a libertarian candidate. You know, I was a Democrat, I think I told you years ago, and I dropped that. I'm disgusted with that party. We'll never vote for Biden, you know, because he's a sociopath. And, my, and, and, and just spending, like you said, spending money we don't have that's going to end up killing this country. And it's going to catch up eventually. They, You know, this printing press, I think it's coming to an end, actually, with bricks. It's going to sooner than later, sooner than people like to say. But um, did you see the tweet? I'm, I'm concerned Twitter is not putting out my stuff because people will say I'm anti-Semitic to not want to support Israel. This has happened to me where my stuff gets blocked, where, where people are, I can tweet and think it gets out and it doesn't. And I think that's disgusting. Too, well, let so, me, you know, that's let me make disgusting. a comment about that. I'm not anti-anything. I'm just pro-America. I, I want to take care of our exactly. country Stay first. I, yeah. I'm not anti-anything. It's none exactly. of our business. As I agree with you. Yeah, we don't have to pick sides between Palestine and Israel. Let them just get out. But the thing is, if we pick one, it's, it, it's going to escalate because then other, other countries will pick the other side and it makes it worse. So, so the best thing to do so, is for all parties to back away, including us. You yeah, out. it'd be interesting to see what would happen if we just stop doing anything and ignore it and get back to our own problems. 
It'd be much better. We don't have to wonder. Ukraine would make a deal with Russia. Uh, it, it would be it would be so much. But but did you? I, I wanted to know. You know, if you don't mind, I tweeted you. So Judge Napolitano is endorsing this libertarian. That so far I'm totally on board. I was for RFK until I realized that he's for like Nikki Haley supporting Israel no matter what. I'm like, are, are you representing the U.S. or Israel? You know, and I'm not anti-Jewish people at all. Like you said, I'm not. I don't mean to sound like that, and I'm not. I'd welcome them all here, front of the line. You know, to stop this war, let them in, you know, but or Palestinians, too, to be fair. But did you I wanted to see if you got that tweet because you usually reply. So this guy's name is Dr. Michael Rechtenwald. He's endorsed, I think, by Ron Paul, who I also like. But I don't I wonder if you even got that. because I seem to be muted on Twitter. I, I'm not a paid. I'm, I'm going to so, be verified because I, I think. So Elon, how, how did yeah. you send it? I just tweeted. I just tweeted it. I just tagged you. Like you, you've responded to other stuff, like freight waves, tag stuff. You always say yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just sent it like I last night. I don't remember seeing it. Right. Yeah, I don't think you got it. Yeah, I don't remember seeing he, it. He even. That's sad. That's really sad. So I think Twitter's not. I think Twitter wants to be free, but I think now, the, the big Uncle Sam won't even let Twitter be who they want to be. I don't think. Now you also sent me something about Night Swift, right? I just sent that. See, that probably got through because it's not political. I said, you know, I've yes. commented a long time with all of this. That I got. You know, this is all, this is all, a short seller would do really good betting again, I guess, yeah, because it went up to, Knight Swift had a, uh, what, what some people would call a good third quarter because they say, hey, we've got more gross revenue than, than, than the average carrier. But it's like, well, Delia, you bought, you bought a big company called U.S. Express. So you bought the gross. It's not organic. So the stock, some of these shareholders, these investors all, all of a sudden bought a bunch of that, but it already disappeared and then some. Now it's net negative, the bump, you know. So it's like this is all, and I, this is easy to predict, you know. A short seller could go crazy on this market, really. Yeah. But uh, I won't even go into that. I, I don't even want to. I know you, you, you know. I, I'm going to keep. I don't want to create hate from other trucking stuff. So what I do with that, I, I won't even promote or talk. I, don't, I, I totally agree. That's not best talked about on on this kind of forum. Because I have other, you know, I have other, I don't know. There, there's, um, yeah, anyway, I'll just leave it at that. All right. But I did, I tweeted you last night. Let me find it here. I'm just going to go profile, reply. So this would have, this should have gone to you. Let me see. I see a list truck there. This would have been, uh, this is about the market. I was going to ask you that too, but let me just focus on this one thing at a time. This was last night, probably at about 10 o'clock Eastern time, or maybe 11 my time, so it would be about 8 your time. Yeah, 12 hours ago. He, he actually liked my thing. He saw it. This guy actually saw it, but he's on just, so his name is Dr. Michael R-E-C, Rechtenwald, R-E-C-T-A-N. Let me just find his name because he, he liked my, uh, he, he agreed that we're, we shouldn't be in Israel. Yeah, so R-E-C-T-E-N-W-A-L-D. Totally endorsed by Judge Napolitano. Total libertarian says to get get the U.S. out of these 800 bases all around the world. Uh, get out, you know, uh, Ukraine, Israel, all of it. You know, don't pick sides. It doesn't mean we're not for Israel. It just means we're we're staying out of it. You know, it's, we're it, like libertarian principle. I mean, like you said, protect our. We're fall, we're going to hell in a handbasket. We're worried about. You know, it doesn't look good. You're like, what kind of bragging rights do we have to countries? You know. So, you know, I, I'm gonna. I'm going to pick on Chuck a little more because he's such a good sport about it. And, um, you know, us helping anybody in the world right now would be like Chuck trying to help somebody else be a better owner operator. I- I'm sorry. You're just not in a position to do that. Yeah. 
agree agree yeah so so well well it's it, it, it over you know i really like your show and i like trucking and and but it's so sad you know when you see all these deaths around the world in the u.s is gonna there's blowback to everything to, you know it's like newton's law to every reaction there's it may take a year it may take a thousand years there's always a reaction so i just hate the kind of karma that we're creating needlessly it doesn't even increase our safety and security to be doing this it, it'd be one thing it if it worse. did but it actually worked of course, so it makes it worse. Yeah, we're spending all this money, killing all this. Yeah, so so anyway, I would I would love to, if if you didn't get that tweet, I think Twitter's blocking all of my stuff, bro. They, they, uh, the Israel hates this guy because he he's also for freeing Julian Assange, who was very critical of Israel, you know, and he he leaked out a bunch of stuff about them that's very damning, you know. So they hate him. They don't Here, want here's, him. To, here's the biggest problem I see. Here's the biggest problem I see with this whole topic right now. Um, I can't think of a time in my lifetime where the Libertarian Party or the Libertarian candidates were so, uh, what's the word I want, um, so irrelevant. Right. They're, they're, the, oh, the Libertarian okay. Party and the all Libertarian candidates right now are completely irrelevant. Nobody's going to vote for them. They don't have a snowball's chance in hell anymore. Mm, that's sad. It is sad. It is sad. But, I, I, you know, when I first found the Libertarian Party about 30 years ago, I was really excited. It made a lot of sense to me. I thought this is we need more of this in politics. But honestly, I feel like we have less of it now than ever. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think actually outside. Well, the worst to me is when I mean, I, I know that corporate I, I respect business. I don't think government should be regulating business. But I do I do not think I know the unions used to kind of rig elections by using union money to fund election, you know, uh, propaganda, you know, commercials. Well, I still do. Okay, still do. I, I'm <laughs> not do. even going to disagree with that. <laughs> but I think the, the, the but, but the answer is not to let the answer. If you let corporations do that, which is what we call corporate personhood, China can do that. They can have a they can have just like we're seeing with the UAW, right? You know, China can have a joint venture with somebody, and then they can use that to you know, they can fund they can fund any, any country can fund, fund fund money into a pack. So I'm like, we're letting foreign countries dump. You know, have TV commercials. I mean, so in my opinion, the answer to that would not be to, as a, as a counter to the union money, we shouldn't let outside interests funnel, fund our uh, election TV ads. We should make it, make it, make one per, no corporate money in elections, just just $5 per person, make it so it's fair to poor people I, and get all PACs illegal. Super, super PACs and PACs should go. I agree. All right. Uh, did you have a question about liver? Yeah. Me? Yes. Hello? Oh, I had a question about your chart, though, because like you mentioned earlier, you, you posted a chart showing spot and contract to be, you know, I know you said that I, I, I respect freight waves and DAT. So it is you commented already. They're all like your chart shows contract and spot to be quite close right now, even including fuel. I think they both include fuel. It's just that one is one is locked in fuel. What, you know, if, but so here, here's, it, it, here's the thing. Any time yeah. we try to compare two data sets, we really have to dig back deep. What time period are they talking about? What time period are they recalculating? Uh, there's so many factors. Um, there are entire college courses on statistics alone. There are people who specialize in statistics. They're, they're just not easy. So when you compare two and they're not matching, it doesn't mean that one right. of them is wrong. It, it could be, but I, I, most of the time I doubt it. 
It's all of these companies are putting out the best data they're able to. It, It would be suicide to try to manipulate these numbers. You would get caught and nobody would trust you. These companies are not manipulating numbers, but there are so many different ways of displaying a data set. The odds of two different sets ever matching exactly are pretty slim, but that doesn't mean either well, one is wrong. Heartland, yeah. Yours looks right. When you look at that heartland thing, because I'm still, I can still get $3 a mile from Chicago to Charlotte. Just did it last right. week with a broker. Right. I was with, uh, I mean, I, so, so, so the, I, I actually, yeah, I think they are about the same in my, if you see Heartland doing bad and I'm doing good and I'm on spot, you, what your, your chart actually looks quite realistic to me is all it, I'm saying. It, it is based on the data set that was used, but that doesn't mean that everybody that posts a rate chart is going to look identical. They won't. There's too many ways of displaying and sorting data. All right, um, let's uh, let's start the usual Friday free for all, where we all talk over each other. Good morning, guys. <laughs> hey, Kevin. Hey, good morning. There we go. I'm looking forward to seeing you next week. Now it feels like Friday. Hey, I'm already here. Where is everybody? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're ahead of us. I am. I've been hanging out Get in Nashville for several days now. So the question is, how did the coach perform? Boy, I'll tell you, we got a sweet tune in it this time. I'm happy. It's about time. Yeah, it was the last thing I did before I pulled out. I hooked up the laptop. Everything else was ready. I called up Leroy, and I went and had lunch while he played around with it. And uh, I'm really happy with this one. Very drivable. Looks like fuel economy may actually be quite improved. The problem is... I can't get any kind of accurate numbers with this thing. I, you know, not enough consistency. Normally I drive 60 everywhere I go. Um, Most of this trip I had my crew set on 70. I was pushing 75 a couple of times out west. I really just wanted to get here. I ran the generator more than normal. I've got a diesel-fired heater that runs off the same tank. But I also know the numbers well enough to to look at what was going on during the trip and realize fuel economy's up. It's just going to be hard to come up with an accurate number, but shouldn't be surprising. Uh, The last trip out, we fixed all of the boost leaks, probably the first time since I've owned this coach that it doesn't have any boost leaks. The reason I didn't do it sooner, it's just too much damn work. I mean, you have to take half the back of the coach apart to get to the the boost system just to test the boost mm. but we had to do the charger cooler so i had the whole system just about taken apart when i put that boost system back together we tested and tested and tested and made sure there were no leaks we got a catalytic converter off that weighed about a hundred pounds it was so packed with crap uh, and now we have straight pipes and then we put in the tune so i'm expecting and it looks like um, we may have bumped fuel mileage up about a full mile per gallon. So does that mean That's you're dramatic what, from where you are? The end of 12, 13 range? Uh, you know, I'm bumping right up against seven. Oh. <laughs> hey, I've got a, I've got a, I've got a really nice D13 TC. We could slap in that thing. Man, and, would that be and fun? Get you, get you up the. 
12, 13, 14, he'd double it up. That, that'd be fun. Can, can <laughs> if we, he drove it more, it'd probably be worth doing, wouldn't it? Can, can we can we put an eye shift in with it? Get rid of this damn transmission problem I've got? Oh, why, why the hell? Yeah, yeah, why yeah, like, the hell and, not? Yeah. <laughs> why they the hell do that? <laughs> yep, they sure do. Prevo was running a lot of eye shifts these days. Hey, I got I got thinking right. about the whole yes, the whole coach issue, and you know all the problems I dealt with mine recently with leaks, and we just put a lot of money into fixing that. Hopefully, so far everything looks good. But I got thinking, if I ever did this again, if I ever buy another coach, I'm gonna figure out how to make it a Prevo for one reason only. I think it's the only chassis on the market that is built for a million miles because they're buses. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm with you on that. I've been looking around at, at coaches and the Prevo. You can find those things with a boatload of miles, and they're still structurally sound. They're the I mean, only they're one on the market. Generally, I think. you know, yes, yes, I I agree. Um, they, they they do a, a damn good job. You know, here's even I, I, some of the ones with the old six six and eight V ninety twos in them. Those, those you know, kind you of go back, You can go back into the eighties. I know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you, man. I was, I was looking at some of those. I'm like, you know what? This, yeah. this could be pretty I, damn cool because structurally. Yeah. So that's the only thing I'm looking at nowadays is, is just Prevo and, and uh, probably a little older. I'm thinking I want to, I want to eight V 92 because I want to, I want to play. I like so, that yeah. idea. Yeah. Here's, you know, country coach yep. builds an awesome RV. Um, for travel still builds a great RV. There are a couple of them out there that are a little higher end, a little better quality. The problem is none of them are built for miles. So you look at a, con- a company right. like Country Coach. They started building RVs a long time ago. They actually build their own chassis, which is unusual. Most people either use Spartan or Freightliner chassis. Country Coach builds their own, and I like mm-hmm. it. It rides nice. It handles nice. It's a little weird. But over the years, mm-hmm. like everything else, they improve things. You put a product out, you find out what mm-hmm. didn't work the way you thought it would, and you improve it. So I, mm-hmm. I, I'm looking at this coach, and I'm thinking, well, why do I have all these leaks? Well, Country Coach never saw this as a problem. Nobody puts 200,000 miles sure. on these things. So to them, sure. none of their customers are complaining. Nobody's showing up with all these problems except the very few who put a lot of miles on them. So why would they ever have Correct. put any work into R&D to fix a problem that never showed up for them? Absolutely. That's right. And all if the I got a coach, right. Kevin, I'd want a, brill, uh, I'd want a brill bus. There you go. Only because my grandfather probably built it. <laughs> right. He worked for Brills, <laughs> right. building them. But I, 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 and I mean, they're pretty, they're they're pretty darn cool. They're all aluminum monocue t- ch- chassis to them, built like an airplane. Yeah, there you go. But if if I had to do it again, I would I would be willing to go much much older if I had to to get a Prevo chassis. Yeah, I'm with you 100 percent on that. That, I, like I said, I, I've been out really looking at them hard, and I, he might as well not even look at anything but a Prevo if it's you know older than like a '95. Right. I, I mean, everything right. else is junk. It's just complete junk. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, I, I'm just for some well, reason where I am right now. Country coaches aren't that common. Um, there's two right close to me here. I went over and talked to both of them. Both of them, both of them are older than mine, 
and both of them are still under 50,000 miles. Right, right, yeah. I'm, I'm at 200. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I definitely, that's what you ought to do. You ought to go find yourself one that has an electronic 8D92, and you could have a whole lot of fun with that damn thing. Wait it's a over minute. 92. Henry, Wait a yeah, Henry's, Henry's got to have some connections there that can, can really fix you up with a with an electronic 892 in it. <laughs> I, I didn't even know there was such there a thing. There you go. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was yep. the, the very first electronic engine. Everybody always says it's a Series 60, and it wasn't. It was the Silver 92. Uh, yeah, ah. and they're, they're pretty common in buses. Boy, that and could Prevos be fun. especially. You see quite a bit. Oh, they, yeah, they, they can crank those things up horsepower-wise to the moon. Yeah. They're, they're D- really, D-Deck really one. Cool. Yep. D-Deck 1. I, yep. I might be on to something here. <laughs> there well, you go. You, 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 you know what, Joe? I've been thinking about you uh, ever since our last conversation. I'm looking around all these trucks that are dragging around lawnmowers. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, which, I, which I still found funny. So we were talking about why haven't that nearly enough people, as you would think, adopted six by twos and six by two liftables. And we were doing the calculation and figuring it's somewhere at least around 25 horsepower. And the same thought came to both of our minds at the same time, Kevin, that it's like driving or dragging around a 25 horsepower lawnmower that's trying to pull you the other way. <laughs> when, well, yeah, when you run a six by four versus a six by two, I so, always visualize it that way. I'm not sure why. And, and Henry had the same, the same vision on that. It's, it's like so you got did, a little, little lawn tractor out there dragging you backwards. Yeah. I had a, I had a call the other day and he wanted to build a truck. I don't remember all the details on it. It's been kind of a screwy week, but um, he was trying to build a pack car. And they were just fighting him on a six by two, like they just weren't going to do it. They got their clocks. They got their clocks cleaned on their six by twos. That's why they had to take a bunch of them back. So I'm I'm shocked that Packar would even. Be, and it's going to be a piece of junk anyway. <laughs> I mean, they don't have the weight biasing technology. They don't have the axles in the right position. They've just done a piss poor job. And a CFI, I think, are. If I had a lot of them. Uh, oh, shit. Yeah. And uh, the company that took CFI over, the the LTL carrier that had them for a while. Anyway, they had a bunch of them. And my understanding is, is that they, they, yeah, XPO, they made, uh, they made them take them back. They had a whole bunch of new ones sitting in a yard somewhere. And they said, we're not taking them because they got stuck everywhere they went. And they were having tire so- wear issues and all kinds of problems because it was a a very, very simplistic, you know, dead axle without a lot of weight biasing going on. And it was, it, it was horrific. So we, we what do you had, mean not a lot of weight biasing. <laughs> there was no weight biasing going on. <laughs> so what you're, yeah, this is true. <laughs> so what you're saying was our, our original six by two garage build was better than theirs. Uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. That's sad. How many times in this industry are we going to screw up a good technology through just total incompetence and then try to claim that the technology didn't work? <laughs> yeah, that, that's exactly. Well, I mean, I deal with it all the time. I, I put stuff up. Oh. And I, I've got this, this dedicated fan base that will get on there. Oh, them six by twos are bullshit. And you don't listen. <laughs> Yeah, well, I got the, uh, the one I always like is for whatever reason. 
And, 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 and let's just say they were even a problem in the snow, which they're not any kind of a major problem. You can find the situation, I suppose. But I'm like, where do you drive? It's sort of like everybody when they ask you, how's it do going uphill? Who cares? You don't spend much time doing that. But <laughs> where, where are you driving that snow is an issue that often? But then again... You know, you look at how many vehicles are all-wheel drive now because I don't know how we did it back in the day with rear-wheel drive and no positive traction or nothing. I don't know how we got around. And, and on biased black tires on top of that, I, I, hey, I, I don't know how we did it. Hey, you guys have a lot of experience with the 6x2s as a group. I've obviously got a lot of – my first truck was a 6x2 back in the 80s. I mean, this isn't even new. Yeah, same way. It, I mean, I yeah, had to... GMC, the GMC built a ton of six by twos, car haulers, and the old Cracker Box GMCs. A lot of those were dead axle tags that were on leaf spring on the drive axle with a new way um, tag axle in, in the back. And I, I mean, they built a ton of them, and they built all those car carriers that had the lift axles on them. And they done it for one reason, efficiency. But Jesus, you listen to people nowadays. It don't make no difference. So, yeah. Okay. How, how many? So, uh, how could, not, let's how just talk about the. Yeah, and let's talk about the traction issue. I'm sure you guys could outline all kinds mm-hmm. of scenarios where the six by two wins in traction. It isn't worse; it's better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and, and we can show that mathematically nowadays. We we have figured out that as long as you have 25% of the gross combination vehicle weight on the drive axle, your tractive potential is going to be better than a six by four in a non-highway application. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 only, the only place you can get hung up being honest with it is when you're going through what I call a curbside entrance. If you stop at the wrong place and you have it and you run the suspension Correct. out of travel, right. yeah, you can have a problem there. Right. But you use your head, and you don't have that as a problem. <laughs> uh, well, you know, because right, so, when, when people bring that up to me, I also tell them my truck does not perform very well under 12-foot-high bridges either. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so let, that, right? Let's, uh, let, let's go to the other comment I saw this morning that just never, ever goes away. Um, I posted about, you know, where rates are today, spot market and contract. They're not that far apart. Rates really aren't that bad right now. They're actually, you know, historically, no, we would have called this a decent year. Not not record-breaking by any stretch, but not record-breaking at the bottom either. This would have been just a fairly normal year no. rate-wise. Expenses are up, so I get it. It's, it's hurting people, but... If you were controlling your expenses, that wouldn't be uh, the same problem. But here was the statement. Rates should be $4 a mile. And and I always ask people when they say this, why? Can you explain to me why they should be $4 a mile? Uh, well, and yeah, nobody ever has an answer. Because you're, I've got an answer for you. So you're dealing with folks that believe in equity. Everything's got to have equity in their mind. So it's got to be at least $4 a mile because everybody that gets into business has to succeed. You know, they're, they're, they don't care about the merit of your decisions. They want 
equity throughout the and and this is this is kind of you know we have equality we're all equal here and we have choices that we can make but equity is a little bit different they they want everybody to succeed rates have to be high enough to support everybody and your merit that you know based on your decision making that doesn't make any difference to them if you made good decisions and you controlled expenses and you didn't buy a w9 and you bought something that was fuel efficient, that doesn't make any difference to them. You know, it, it, it's all hey, about being equitable. And it, that, that's ahead. the killer here. It's the trophy. I, I think Everybody you hit it right on the head. Yeah, here, every, here's what I'm shocked exactly. about, though. Here, here's what I'm shocked, because I get this. I've been through this equity thing. I had to do this with Sirius. When they thought I was a bad boy and I didn't mm-hmm. understand and I was offending people, they couldn't require me to do it, but they they highly encouraged me to take their, I don't even remember all the terms now. I had to take some kind of training, retraining. It was, I said, all right, you know what, I'll do it. I'll sit through this thing. And they started talking about equity. I didn't even understand what they were talking about. That word didn't even make sense to me. What are we talking about equity? What the hell is this? It seems like you're trying to talk to me about equality, but you keep using the word equity. But, but and I don't even not. understand the term. Equity, yes, there's a difference. I, I, yeah. I, I didn't even yeah, understand a, the there's term. There's a difference there. So uh-huh. they kind of explained it as, and I'll, I'll just get right down to the nitty gritty here. They didn't want to say this, but what, all I got out of it was, White males have had their way for so long that we now need to to make it so that, I mean, that's really what they were getting at. And I thought, well, wait a minute. Equality, we should all strive for equality. We are all equal human beings. I don't care what color you are. I don't care what sex you are. I don't care who you sleep with. We're all Equal yes. human beings. There should be equal opportunities, which for the most part there are. But we should succeed on merit. Yes, not equal outcomes. Mm-hmm. Uh, mer- merit should determine success, not equity. Yes. If equity, then you get mediocrity. And then the industry just kind right. of falls apart and goes to shit. Here's the thing. If you want equity, go join a union. There you go. That's exactly right. That's that is how become an employee driver. That's our in in this business. The dock is the same height for everyone. (laughs) Hey, hey, hey! Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, Henry. There's a real problem there. That dock height is fine for you. Yeah, there it's, is. It's, it's way too tall for me. I can barely climb up on that thing. You just take a... I, I you well, just got to jump up on them from the ground, and I can't anymore, but, so there's I, something wrong there. But I, I was going to say, you can just take an extra big step and step up on the dock. I have to go get a ladder to climb the damn thing. But here's here's where we got a unique situation in the transportation industry, Kevin, and and we, we talked about this, and so many people miss this. And oftentimes, when you look at other sectors and other industries, the equity people are fighting the merit people, and it's just this this big battle back and forth. What's better? And we're unique because we have independent owner operators, independent contractors, and we have employees. Employees, essentially, when you become an employee driver, you have said to yourself, look, I don't want to deal with a bunch of different things. I just want to drive a truck and I want things to be fair. That's equity right there. Right. 
when you become an owner, you are supposed to be thinking, or at least in my mindset says, look, I'm going to succeed based on my merit. I've got good ideas. I'm going to go out there and kick ass. I don't care what anybody else thinks. You know, I'm going to succeed on my merit. So because we have this, we have this, we can actually support the people that want equity in the employee sector. And then we get the rising tide. We talked about that raises all ships and we can still be out here as owners working on our ideas, but the, 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 the base has risen and it, it would just be great for everybody. But unfortunately everybody just wants to fight over the terminology and you know, what, what makes more sense equity or merit when, you can actually use them both to a large degree inside this industry and make it work. Let's point out how. Yeah, but with that pure dollar a mile for everybody, you could make those theories that I've heard so many times from people that Wait. I don't shut my truck off from the time I leave the house till I get back. Like that's some sort of sure. good decision. Yeah, right. let, no, let, no, I, I, I hear you. Let's try to point out how absurd this whole concept is. Let's apply this same concept <laughs> to sports, because if we apply this to sure. sports, here's what would happen. Every single contest would have to end in a tie. Well, not only that, not only that, I could identify as a wide receiver in Correct. the NFL. Right. And it wouldn't matter yeah, at, because at, at it doesn't. five years old. Right. right. It doesn't matter who There's we put no out on, involved. on the field. <laughs> We, we have to make sure that the game always ends in a tie. It doesn't matter who we put on the field. They don't have to be good or bad. Or it, it just We have to end in a tie so it's equitable. Right. How absurd well, is that? That would put the fantasy football right out of business. It, it, all sports would just <laughs> exactly. disappear. There would be no sports. Yeah. yeah. True. Who the hell's going to watch a game <laughs> when you know it's going to be a tie no matter what we do? <laughs> But that's uh, what they're asking shoot, for. That is funny. I, essentially, well, yeah. You know, do you, Kevin, to use your funny analogy about the four foot dark, actually, what these equity people are saying is, and I'll use you guys as an example. It's one thing for Henry to just, you know, take a step and go in the, the dark door and you getting a ladder. But what the equity people are saying is, look, a four foot high dock is too tall. We want to make it. 24 inches. That way it's even for everybody, but that doesn't do anything because, you know, if you had a four, uh, $4 a mile type of rate for everybody, well, we're going to have the same problem that we had during the pandemic. Yeah. Every, every Tom, Dick and Harry is going to say, you know what? I don't want to be a company driver anymore <laughs> because I can make so much money and get my own truck and get my own insurance and I can get in the business. And what's going to happen to the race? Yeah. We're yeah, going to be right back to where we were. No, here's here's what the equity or people really it's like want. Mi- it's much like minimum wage. What, whatever minimum yeah. wage is, is yeah. the bottom. Here, here's what the equity people and really want. The bottom's want. always going to be the bottom. This is what I learned in the class. Right. Henry has had the advantage of being tall his whole life. So now we're not going to lower the dock, or we might, but we're also going to make Henry go get the ladder. No, we're going to make him go get the ladder for me. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, because we need to punish. (laughs) They always leave out on that being taller part. How how more often I hit my head than you do. Their attitude seems to be we need to we need to punish the successful people because they've been successful. Correct. 
Yes. That, that's so a, it, isn't, it, well, isn't that socialism? Yes, I mean, that's exactly what Bernie this Sanders, is. whatever he calls it. Yep, that's exactly uh, that's what this is. More, more social com- Democrat or whatever it is. Yeah, hey, communism, yeah. socialism. Here's, here's another one. Do it. Let, let's throw this in here since you're right. This is socialism. I keep hearing that, uh, okay, the, they're finally starting to understand that it really is supply and demand. You know, there's too many trucks. Not enough freight. They're finally starting to admit yeah. that because there's no way around it. it. It's just absolutely logical. Now their response is, well, you're right. That's the problem. We should have had higher barriers to entry so there wouldn't be so many trucks. And when I ask them, <laughs> what, what would be those barriers? Can, can you tell me one barrier uh-huh. that you would put into place in the trucking industry and that would fix this? They never have a single answer. What barrier do they want? Oh, I hear you. Well, yeah, that's, well, I hear you. that's easy. You have to be at least six foot three, you know, and that way Henry and, and uh, uh, Joel would still make it. I, I wouldn't make the cut, but, you know. Well, here's, here's what I'm wondering. That's how you do it. You're here's a dispatch anyway. You're a dispatch anyway. True. Here's what I seem to that's find of, of people who have, I am now. who have this attitude. The attitude always shows up after they're already in the industry. Now they want barriers. Uh, correct. Well, yes. Well, of course. Right. Of course. <laughs> now, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Now they so want the barriers. So they don't it, have competition. The only thing I'd like to see is in the industry that way would be more of a career path. I've said that well, forever. And, and he, yeah, I agree. But this is yeah. this mm-hmm. is where this is how this. This, I think, works, and it all goes back to reforming employee driver pay. It, it improves Uh-oh. everything across the board. It, it develops that career path, and it, it helps the owner-operators. It helps the small fleet. It helps everybody. We're just working too damn cheap overall. Um, it, it, I think it all has to focus right on that employee driver pay. We have to pay them overtime. And we we have to uh, we have to account for their time. Nobody should be giving up two hours at a dock. Shouldn't be happening. We should be getting paid for all of our time that we're out here when we're employees. Now that does not apply to owner operators that are running a business. You know, it you don't have that same protection as a business. You're going to stand on your merit as you're running a business. And you know, we've been a we've been very successful at being able to. We have an employee, we've been paying him for all this time and, and, you know, with rates that supposedly aren't so good. We do that by concentrating on efficiency and taking care of business. We're running a business the way we think a business should be run. Uh, we're not out here buying trucks to, to look cool and have a lot of chrome on them. We're focusing on the efficiency and reducing our maintenance costs in order to pay our employee driver better. Hey, yeah, why what? does everybody say about a truck looking cool? I think our trucks look pretty cool, Arrow. Uh, I, I, the other trucks looking like they want to fight with the air don't look cool to me. Hey, <laughs> I want antique is looking to me, but hey, Joel, I want to expand on that idea. I, I think when we um, kind of mm-hmm. came up with the idea for this Friday show, we shortchanged ourselves. You know, we call it technology and okay. efficiency, and <laughs> and we focus a lot on technology and efficiency and fuel mileage. But honestly, look at the experience on this call right now. 
We, I, I'm actually thinking of kind of renaming this show, and I don't know what the name would be, but the concept being um, right now, I think our best value to the industry, the listeners, the market is helping people survive the bottom. It, and that's more than just fuel mileage. I mean, that's a big part of it. Fuel and maintenance costs are big, but mm-hmm. everybody on this call has experience in all aspects of getting through a tough economy, the the relationship building, the watching the numbers, the making good decisions. I, I think this show should really be focused on helping people through the next year. I, I don't disagree. I, I, I mm-hmm. think uh, I think it all ties together. You know, understanding the new equipment, the new trucks to get the best value out of them to be able to survive a downturn like this is, is important. Um, you know, just understanding the markets in general. A, a great example, uh, I threw some stuff out on social media several weeks ago where I I'd showed some some rates that Schneider was paying on some short loads. And I just got vilified. You can't take short loads and it never works out. And that's the craziest, <laughs> the craziest thing ever. And, and you're just dumb. And oh, uh, I'm glad that you just concentrate on efficiency because you sure as hell don't know about rate. I mean, yeah. it was, it was the stupidest thing ever. So yeah. this week we ended up before I picked up my, my team run that went down to Ocala of Florida, out of Grove Fort, Ohio, I ran two short ones from Wapakoneta to Columbus back to back. Now we had to work with our, and I'm going to say it, our internal broker, our <laughs> evil broker. And she had to, wait, wait, she wait. had to work uh, our customer. Work, She's our customer. Yes, our customer. She had to work customer service very hard to get everything to line up, but she done it. And we got those two to line up. So there's like an extra 800 bucks for where we were going anyway. I mean, it, it just made sense. Then she calls us, what, yesterday, Alex? They had an issue in Orlando where we're going to end oh, yeah. up. They, yeah. They've got eight or ten local loads that really need to be moved, and we're going to move those 40-mile hops, and we're going to do, like, I don't know, eight or ten loads for. And yeah. there's people that just well, go absolutely ballistic. Oh, you can't do that. Why the hell can't you? <laughs> it's you know, yeah. eight, well. At, at, at 435 a mile, I might point out. And uh, Joel doesn't even know that I just picked up three more love that are going to take us oh, halfway well, through next week. <laughs> that he doesn't even know really about. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, 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 you know the thing that's still wrong with that though, Joel. And you just made me think of the conversation that we talked about bringing up is how we need to start uh, going for all these starving brokers that are going under. Yeah, now. yeah, because, yeah. We should. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. We need to do our part to help them survive. I guess. Was it you know? I'm just wondering why these brokers decided to put themselves out of business. I I just can't figure it out. You know, they were they control the market, they set the rates, they control all the money, they take all the profit out of everything. Why did they decide to go out of business? I wonder. They're crooks. That must be the answer. Oh, to help the uh, to, to help to help the independent uh, you know <laughs> capacity owner. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, uh, I'll tell you, our, they, they didn't our really broker. She's wonderful. Yeah, they really didn't need to go out of business. They did it on purpose. They just took the money and ran. <laughs> they must have. Yeah, I, that's all. I it guess is. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, these brokers, they don't, they don't need trucks to move the freight. They, they had, they, they had yeah. made enough money and they bought an island and left. Yeah, yeah, that must be it. Exactly. 
<laughs> I mean, there's no relationship there. I mean, I don't know what the what they're thinking. You know, here's here's the um, here's the interesting thing on that. Since we jumped over to that topic, convoy, I'm sure is the big one we're all talking about. Uh, yeah. What did convoy really have? I worked with convoy. I know what they had. They had technology. They had very little <laughs> knowledge of trucking. They they admit it. They they hired me to help them understand the owner-operator market because they didn't understand it. They had technology, and actually, I was pretty impressed with their technology. They, they were starting to solve some issues that, you know, we've been fighting with forever. Uh, they had some pretty cool technology and ideas around detention time, and um, but all they really had was technology. And once you kind of build technology and prove that it works, it's really easy to copy. And I kept thinking, if they prove this works, what stops, and nothing is the answer, what stops C.H. Robinson and TQL and, and the traditional brokers from saying, oh, yeah, that technology works well, let's buy some or build it ourselves, and then they bring along a hundred years of experience that Convoy will never have. So it never seemed like a great idea Correct. to me, but now, now Convoy was worth $3.8 billion. They've gone out of business, and it looks like Flexport is just going to buy their technology. <laughs> I, if Flexport Imagine can afford that, right? to buy the technology and make it work, why couldn't Convoy do it? Right. It's not just the technology. That's what yeah, these that, technology companies right. aren't getting. He, you you have to have a, a, a basic understanding of the business. And and I'll be quite honest with you, Kevin, I don't know that anybody truly understands the owner-operator thing because it's so damn erratic. You get people that <laughs> make the craziest-ass decisions that have no basis in reality. It's, there, it's all over the board. There's, you can't have an expectation of anybody because they come back at you with this wild-ass crazy shit, and it just... I mean, just look at social media and, and the shit that's going around out there. You know, just you like know, it's the it, worst, the most horrible market ever. And, and the rates aren't all that bad. They're not. They're really but not. But you're right. Expenses expenses are horrible, but people don't want to have to bother with expenses. I, I don't want to have to work at that. Come on. And, 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 I can and just here's, get paid to drive the truck. Well, and here's the problem. Even if I can convince them now that they really do need to focus on expenses, it's too late for most of them. You, you can't do it, it now. It is, but I will, t I will tell you this. This is a great time to be in business if you have focused on expenses. Absolutely. Yes. And it's, I, I it's think there are going to be... It's a very good time to be in the game. Yeah. I think there are going to be incredible opportunities. Just think of some of the stuff that's just popped up recently with your broker. Just opportunities. Yeah. 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 As, as these people that haven't focused on expenses start to leave the marketplace... Um, you know, opportunity after opportunity starts to open up. And, you know, I had a guy reply to one of my posts, you know, I, I'm happy. I drive a W9. Uh, I run light loads and I get 6.2 miles a gallon. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, I'm getting 11. <laughs> you know, how does this guy yeah. stay in, 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 in business? I, uh. But when you talk to these people, when you talk to it doesn't even hit them. No, it doesn't. It doesn't even phase them. Well, I get seven. I'm getting 11. And it, it's it's like it, it just went right over their head, the amount of money 
that they just left laying on the table or setting on the table. No, and these guys that insist that they have to drive fast, it's the same thing with maintenance. It drives the maintenance cost up. This industry leaves billions of dollars on the table due to outright ignorance. Yeah, let's not eat billions let's, of dollars. Let's make it hurt a little more. Leaving it on the table sounds a little too benign <laughs> to me. You didn't leave it on the table. You gave <laughs> okay. that profit to everybody else's company. You gave that profit to the truck yeah, stop. You, you gave, gave that to, profit to the fuel to the you, big oil companies. Mm-hmm. You 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 gave away yeah, all your yeah. profit. You didn't leave it on the table. You gave it to somebody else. Right. Yeah. 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 That's exactly right. You're financing big oil. Yes. Like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Sh- Chevron, Exxon, they need some more money, right? <laughs> Bridgestone and, and Michelin, they don't, they don't make it. So we, it, let's drive 75 mile an hour in order to keep Michelin funded and, and big oil funded. And, it, oh, Jesus. One, oh, wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute! I run that fast, and I got two hundred eighty-two thousand miles out of my steers. <laughs> well, here's, here's well, you would have got four hundred eighty-four slowing it down, right? You know, I maybe I really, really expected this trip when I was on the road this time. I really thought it would be different. I don't know why I'm such an optimist, but I really thought. With rates where they are, expenses where they are, I'm going to see a difference in owner-operators when I'm on the road today on this trip. And I didn't. I was running 70 and still being passed by people. I got passed by car haulers. I'm doing 70, and a car hauler is passing me. He's getting three and a half miles to the gallon at that point. I can promise you that's what... What's happening? Yeah. You try to drive a car hauler yep. at 75 miles an hour. Here's the other thing I feel when I get up around 70 in this. I know the fuel is just flying out, but I, I, I swear I can feel it in my bones. I'm wearing everything out faster. I swear I can feel it. To go oh, 70 no yeah. feels very different than going 60. And, and I made the conscious decision the time for me right now is more important than the money. I'm going to drive hard, and I know what it's costing me. I'm going to do it this one time because there's a benefit to me to get there early, get my mind cleared, be ready for a big event. On the way home, <clears throat> hell, I might drive 55 on the way home. I don't know. But here's what I saw. I get passed by these guys even though I'm out pushing hard. I pull into the fuel stop. Why do so many people leave their truck running while they fuel? Oh my gosh! But, uh, yeah, what I, because purpose they, they does want that to save, possibly save time serve? Getting out of the Georgia last well, night, well, it was sixty-three degrees at the truck stop that I stayed in. Ninety percent of the trucks ran what? all night long at sixty-three degrees. Why should Mind any box. truck the, be running at the, sixty-three? Exactly. Well, they'll tell you that they're preventing the dry start wear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Of course. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah, so idling for yeah. 11 hours won't put any wear on your truck or your engine, right? No, no, no. no that's way mean. better for it, though. They'll tell you that. It's great for the emission system, too. Oh, yeah, there you, you go. You know, that, that 11 hours of idle time. Yeah. Yep. yep. 
Yeah. And then let's complain well, when we get a $30,000. Let's complain that we get a $30,000 emissions bill to fix our emissions after we let our truck idle and it's 63 degrees out. That makes, it, that makes some good sense. I'm, I'm liking that logic. Yeah. You know, one of the excuses well, I've just heard had is that conversation with somebody and, 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 and their cure was they didn't have to worry about that anymore because they deleted theirs. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Here, here's here's one I've heard. Here, here's one I've heard. I have to let my truck run all night for my CPAP machine. I, I don't even know what to say. Oh, to yeah. yeah. I, I don't yeah. even know what to say at that point. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's amazing. I know. Absolutely maybe, amazing. Maybe we should get to some phone calls. What do you think? So does, well, one more, one more sure. tidbit I'm going to throw out there on, on how you can really tell if you want to take your truck to a particular shop or not. So I, I had a post where I talked about every time I do a valve adjustment on a Volvo, when you pull the rocker cover and the doghouse out to set the valves, your crank position sensor is right there. And I unscrew that thing and I wipe off the metal buildup on it and reinstall. It takes all five minutes. Also, my boost sensor is right there. Depending on where you go, a boost sensor is anywhere from $35 to $70. I pull that out and I replace it. Those are, that's just two things that I do, and I, I have done a post about this. You would have thought that I was the biggest <laughs> idiot that ever freaking <laughs> lived. Oh, my God, did I get grilled for that. And here's the thing. I had one guy come back on and say, if you came into my shop and asked for that, I'd laugh at you. And I said, good, because now I know never to come to your shop for anything, for anything, if that is your attitude. And and here's here's the deal in, in my thought process. Look, I'm just trying to avoid something. It's preventative maintenance, which obviously it seems like a lot of people don't understand. But it also gives me the opportunity to really work with a shop, develop that relationship and say, hey, you know, I want to give you a little extra money to take care of this stuff because I want you in the corner when I need you. And these people are like, oh, I wouldn't even take your money. That's so stupid. I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding. You absolutely got to be kidding me. And our industry is just, just a wreck, an absolute wreck. It's the shops, the, the attitude of the drivers, the attitude of the people running the shops. You know, I, I just, I don't understand it. It's simple preventative maintenance. I'm willing to pay a premium for it, but you're going to laugh at me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get it. (laughs) Well, here, here's, here's how we should end this before we go to our calls and questions. Here's how we should end every bitch session. Cause that's what that was. This, this has been a big bitch session. Um, we we want to end it on a positive note. And that is so easy to do because what we're talking about mm-hmm. right now, that's our competition. Yeah. yeah that's exactly <laughs> right. that's, that's exactly Why are we complaining right. so much? We should be celebrating. That, 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 you know, we should be. We, we absolutely should be very selfish. We should, we should be celebrating. We shouldn't be sharing any of this knowledge. We should just be going out there and laughing up the money and, and giggling at everybody. Yeah, just giggle but, all the yeah, way to the bank. I don't. Yeah. 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 Well, that's, that's what I'm doing. See, that's why I'm so quiet here because I'm booking a good load of loads yeah. so I can keep him busy. You're, you're stacking up quarters. I know what you're doing. Uh, yeah, exactly. 
All right. And it's so easy to do. I, I mean, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine loads to put in. <laughs> so I guess we're not making any money. And all the time that we've spent building a relation has just, you know, been a total waste of time. Right. Because brokers don't want to yeah, build so, relationships. I've been told yeah. that a thousand times. And, and no, and by the way, I mean, this, yeah. this is with a with a mega on top of it. One of the evil That's mega right. carriers. That's right. And they they, oh, they can't wait. They, they cannot wait to work with you. I, I they, oh Jesus. All right, yeah, let's let's <laughs> call because we're just gonna. <laughs> <laughs> this is just gonna keep going and going and going. <laughs> I know. Yeah, let let's uh, let's let somebody else jump in here. Mark, welcome. All right. Before I get to my point, that uh, a couple of things stand out. Number one, of that last 45 minutes, we learned that uh, Henry hates Subarus because he doesn't like all-wheel drives. And, <laughs> well, that's what he said. He didn't like all-wheel drives. So I'm, I'm pretty sure he hates Subarus. I did not say that. So, I, I, said, I said they're not concerned with fuel mileage. Okay. Stand corrected. <laughs> number two... There's one thing that stands out. One of the things talking about merit and equity and all that before I get to my point that I called about is building relationships and building relationships. If you get to know your customer, he's only interested in what he's interested in. And if you can find out what he's interested in and, and talk about that, he's more likely to do business with you no matter how horrible you are because he ends up liking you or she. They so, mm-hmm. because when a, when a customer likes you, they're going to give you their business. And so you have to figure out how to make them like you. Uh, and, and you can, it just works. I mean, you can take them pies, you can take them to dinner, you can do different things. And you can find out if they're into, you know, you know show horses, to start talking about show horses, just go learn about some of that. And, and they'll start talking to you about other things. And then they'll... Hey. Yeah, back to the principles of how to win friends and influence uh, people. Hey, okay. Mark. Mark. Oh, yeah. Also Mark. important, find out Stop. what they don't like. Mark, you just stole my thunder. I, I was about to jump in at the end of that, that little tirade of yours and say they wrote that book in 1936, but then you went ahead and named the book, so... You're exactly oh, right. how to win friends and influence yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. Dale Carnegie. So, yeah. 1936. Yeah. So like, this isn't things- new. One of the things that uh, my brother learned in the freight business that everybody seems to like is a, a beach house in Florida with a Jeep and a boat and an open bar. They all seem to, they all seem to like that. It's, it's pretty cool when you set them down there for a week at a time and all of a sudden loads it's, start coming your way, right? It's, it's funny. <laughs> there you go. Fun, you got funny to, you should uh, mention you that. At, at the end of this event, <laughs> I, I have an invitation to go down and stay at somebody's house in Destin, Florida. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and you're hating life, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh shoot. Ha- have coach will travel. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's right. <laughs> there's this. There's this. This. This uh, Facebook group out there, and uh, the guy has a, a, a hell of a lot of people in, in the group, and he's always trying to sell something, and he's out of Kentucky. Anyway, there was a discussion on there about how there's going to be a lot of repos and people aren't paying their car bills and all like that, their car notes. 
And people started saying, oh, we'll just go get in and start hauling repos, and we'll go and do that. There's going to be a big market for that. <laughs> and I'm yeah. here to tell you, that is the bottom of the barrel in the car hauling industry. I know. <laughs> I've done it. <laughs> repos are the worst people to deal with because, number one, you have to give them a 24-hour notice. It's required on all of them. Number two... Then you have to give them a 24-hour, a, a, a one-hour notice when you're going to be there. And most of them make you make an appointment. And you don't know if it's in-op or not in-op or what you're going to need. And a lot of them only schedule pickups a couple of days, one anywhere from one to three days a week. And you have to work your schedule around that. So the bottom line is people can say, oh, there'll be a market. But when they don't know what the market is and about it, then it's like, you don't know what you're getting into. I, like I said, I've done it. If I have to go haul repos, it's about time to close the door. I, I almost <laughs> refuse to go do that because you get treated like shit. They won't let you use the restroom. And they look at you like a criminal. But you talk to them behind the same the same uh, uh, counter that, that the people that are trying to figure out where their cars are deal with. And they, you know, worried you're going to steal a car. Everything's under lock. Hey. You know, it, it's just, it's, it's horrible, and people don't hey. understand the market or what they're trying to get into. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, I have the equivalent of that in the freight world. When I used to live in Ohio, and uh, almost every load I took went to the East Coast, because that's where most of the freight was going, um, the, the stuff I found to come back a lot of times, absolutely hated it. I hated everything about it. I hated the concept of the fact that I was pulling people's garbage off of the East Coast so we could bury it in Ohio. Yep. But you know what? I, yep. It worked yeah. for a while. It worked. I hated mm-hmm. it, but it, it mm-hmm. worked for a while. Sometimes you do what you got to do. Yep. I understand that. There's just there's so much to, to do in this the side I'm in. And then the other thing about, you know, you were talking to that guy yesterday and, and about preparing. I've spent this last month paying off insurance. My insurance is now paid through the rest of the year. I've worked my ass off this month because I got a better, I could, if I paid it all up front, I could get a $4,000 discount and not have to pay that, that fee to progressive for to, to go on payments. And I'm, I'm on my last load before I go come to, uh, Nastic next week and then go off and take a couple more days off. But one thing I did this week, and here's about another thing about efficiency, is time management. If you get out here and you don't understand time management and manage your time and plan your trip, <clears throat> I plan everything I do out here to be perfect. Does it happen? No, but hardly ever. No. But if hey. you don't, uh, like, like for example, I, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, Mark, you're way overcomplicating okay. this. These guys have already figured that out. They don't need to manage time. They just drive 80 miles an hour everywhere, and then they have plenty of time to do all the other stuff they need to do. I got a load last last Friday that went to the – I backed us down there in that fog the other morning I, to the New Orleans airport. It had to be there by 3.30 because it was going to a rental car company on Monday. And if I didn't make that before 3 o'clock, that would screw my whole week up. But I took a load that Saturday, Saturday that nobody else seemed to want because it had four stops in Austin. Well, there's really two stops because it was and there was a Genesis dealer involved at each end. But nobody wanted it, and it sat there, so I took the load. The load I'm on now has the same amount of stops since going all the way to Del Rio, and it's it's a little slow out of the Honda Hyundai facility right now. They're making the shit out of cars, but for whatever reason, it's slow. 
I got two loads this week that seemed to like nobody else wanted. It'll make me $7,800. But when I loaded my, my load for Monday on Saturday, I thought I can just come back to Louisiana and do my 24-hour break, 34-hour break over by Lafayette and get a head start. And by doing that, the whole week worked out. And tomorrow I'll end up dropping in Del Rio and getting back to the Houston area, and I'm done. And it'll be about a $12,000 week. But it's like it's time management because you look to what you're going to do in the future, and people don't do that. And I book, and people say, why do you book that in the future? I'm like, they give it to me. I know I can do it. If I can't do it, they know I'll call and let them know that I can't or something came up. But I have not had to give a load back. Any of these. Right. I've only dealt with I've only dealt with three company four companies this year, and one was one load with a broker just to get me to Dallas. But I generally deal with two, and I've got a third one I added because they have freight to Louisiana uh, with, with the Volkswagens and the Audis. And when they have overflow, they'll give it to me, and they pay well. But that's from what I used to do to have over two hundred ratings and two hundred ratings. That's two hundred different people on Central Dispatch. I haven't looked, book, I've, even though I pay Central Dispatch, I haven't booked a load off of there this year. Or last year, I think I booked one. I guess I'm wasting my money, but I'll have to look at it as an insurance policy if I need it. But people sit here, and they, they don't plan. They don't use, the most valuable thing you have out here is your time and time management. It's more valuable than anything else because once you've lost your time, it's gone. You'll never get it back. Once you get behind out here, you, you, that's why airlines have to cancel flights with weather. You can't make up whatever's lost. It's gone. That's right. So when you, it, proper time management is more critical to your success out here than anything. And not anything, but it's up there. Because if you don't manage your time correctly, you can't get done. I turn more loads than a lot of people out here. And it's, I'm not doing it illegal. It's because I manage my time. I do almost mm-hmm. like what some of these people in Houston do because, and that's how Southwest Airlines became successful because they were turning flights faster than everybody else. They get the ground, they load and unload the plane, load the plane, send it out. It, it's just managing so, your time. So and, you're absolutely right. That's the same way with the people that want to sit three, four days because. They can't find the rate they want. That that time's gone forever. You can't get that uh, back. You know, I, I want to go back and try to find, I wish I could remember who this was. Back in the 80s and 90s, when all the big seminars on tape, it was a big thing. Uh, Nightingale Conant was the company putting them all out. I listened to a ton of those things. There was one guy, and I wish I could remember who it was. I can almost picture him, but I can't think of his name Stephen right Covey. now. No, it was um, his Stephen whole, Covey. No, no, his his whole concept of succeeding in business, he used this analogy of one of his first jobs was as a cab driver. And he said being a successful cab driver was all about the meter drop. He didn't want the long runs. Everybody else was fighting to get the longer runs. They thought it was better. He wanted more meter drops every day. He said the profit was always in the first five minutes in in cab. So the more times your flag went up and down, the more profit you made that day. And Joel and Alec, you guys pull a lot of freight like this. That really requires time management. And aren't those always the most profitable when they're done right? On a rate per mile basis, they certainly are. 
And, and time-wise, yeah, as so, long yeah. as you manage them well. Yes, so you're, you're absolutely right. You know, typically the shorter hauls, the more times that we put freight in and out of that trailer is our rate per mile goes up. So, you know, to the point that Joel was making earlier about, you know, the, oh, you can't make any money during those short loads. <laughs> well, look, we were already going there. So if exactly. you look at what our out of freight miles were, I mean, that actually the load that Joel just did yesterday, that was a $7 a mile load. I'm not going to say where, but it was a short load. We were going there anyway, so it's just extra money in the pro- in the pocket. You I know, a, it's like, hey, you're going this way anyway. Hey, I have another thought. Uh, okay. I, I, I always looked at those loads as like the icing on top of the cake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, the big yeah. run getting you there is the cake, and then you have the icing, and then you have the confectionery. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And we're doing five of those in in Florida. Uh, you know. Uh, this weekend, you know, and they said, well, here's the first five and uh, we may have another five. So, well, okay. Travis was just going to be sleeping anyway. I might as well put him to work. Well, well let's, so, you know, let's point out something else. About, he knows what's coming about those <laughs> but, loads. Those loads, you can't really manage those loads just by working hard. You have to work smart. You have to do the mm-hmm. hard work to mm-hmm. be able to manage those loads. And I think that's why a lot of people don't understand how profitable they can be. Communication is the absolute key on this type of stuff. And if you have not developed a relationship with your dispatcher, your broker, whoever you're working with, your customer, there's no way you can coordinate this stuff and make it work. And this is why a lot of people struggle with it. And they just say, oh, I'm not going to do it. But they don't want to spend the time to develop the relationship. So when opportunities like this arise, that broker's not going to call and ask them because they, they don't feel comfortable that the job's going to get done or if there's a problem that it can be handled in the right way. And, and uh, so it all goes back to relationships. I agree. Time management is probably the most valuable tool that an owner operator has. And that does not mean speed. Speed costs I, you money. There's a cost associated with speed. Time management's completely different than speed. The best example I ever had of this, I, I had a load. It was six stops. It was out of Cleveland, and most of it was delivered over in the New England area somewhere. You might hit upstate New York on the way over. Um, they were tiny little plastic pots for greenhouses that they start their seeds in. So super light load, all mm-hmm. on the floor. So and they're all going to small nurseries. Everybody hated this load, and I thought that doesn't sound that bad. Let me try something. It took most people two and a half days to get it off. So you know you might leave on a Sunday night from Ohio, so you could get to your first appointment, you know, over on the East Coast or upstate New York somewhere first thing in the morning when they opened. Well, by the time you got it all unloaded, hand unloaded, you got your second stop of the day and did it again. You were usually hitting your third stop on the, the first day out when everything was closing. And if you got behind, you might miss that third stop. Now you got to get up again and do three more like that the next day. I started looking at this load, and and the first time I took it, it took me two days, and it wasn't that great of a load. But I realized every place I was going to, these were like small family-run nurseries. So the next time I got the load, I called the first stop, and I said, 
What's the earliest you would really like to get this stuff? I know you open at, you know, 7 a.m. And last time I was right there at 7, I said, is there any way to do this earlier? And he said, could you be here earlier? And I said, of course I can. What time would you like it there? And he said, would 4.30 be too early? And I said, no, that works for me. And they said, good, we can get it out of the way and it doesn't mess up our whole day. Perfect. Called the next one. Can I get into you early? Called my last one and said, can I get into you late? And I, I arranged four of these six stops to be done outside of their normal business hours. And I was able to get that entire load off in 24 hours. Nice. That's right. Oh. It, it, it was one of the most profitable loads I and ever And they pulled. were happier for it. They were much happier because I solved a problem for them, too. They never thought to ask any of the truck drivers if you could be here earlier. They just always set their appointment for when they opened. All I had to do was ask, is there any way we can do this earlier? They actually liked it. Yeah. I used to do that you know, with a place I used to deliver fire sprinkler pipe to. I'd get out to them, and it turned out that they were working at night to beat the heat. <laughs> and I was delivering there at 2 o'clock in the morning. And yeah. <laughs> when I did food service, my strategy was to switch to runaround, and we loaded our own trucks. But... I'd do it that I went to the furthest away stop and worked my way back in to get empty. Right. Because we came back yeah. empty anyway. But, but it was the other way around. And the reason for that was I could get away from all the major cities and get away from the traffic. And all the other food service people that were in my way at the docks weren't. So <laughs> right. I had a free pass. I'd go all the way to the farthest part out and work my way in. So, yeah, right. time management, it's so important. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to grab another call. We're going to go to Oklahoma. Stephen, welcome. Hey, Kevin. Hey, I just, I'm hoping Chuck is listening because I just want to point out that guy absolutely has no clue what his personal numbers are or probably his uh, business. But he came on the air and said his personal and business total expenses was under $5,000. His first time on the show last week, he said his truck payment was over $3,000. Yeah, his think- trailer was over $1,000. So- so that puts him over four thousand. His car payment was six fifty. His insurance is going to be at least one fifty. That puts him, you know, upwards of five thousand. Then his mortgage, no, here, his property tax, his insurance for his. Here was a really interesting thing that shocked ahead. me. You're right. He he's was confused about his numbers. The good thing was he was at he, he was at least using software to get his business numbers. We just got to help him out a little bit with it. He wasn't really tracking personal numbers at all. So now we've got him to do that. We just got to go back and tweak him because they're not making sense. There's a bunch of cash mission, missing somewhere. The good news is he's being a really good sport about right. it. He's he's working to get the numbers. Uh, there, there's just there's a lot I, of confusion. But here's the I number that shocked me. He, he bought yeah. the truck through the carrier. It's not really a lease purchase. But he's oh. leased to a carrier and his insurance cost on his truck is $1,000 a month. Something is really wrong with that. Now, he told me he had to have gap insurance because he didn't have a big enough down payment. That's the only reason to have gap insurance. But I still can't understand why the insurance is so high on this. Unless his carrier is charging him for um, cargo or liability somehow. Yeah, 
cargo liability. And the price of that truck is $200,000. So he's got insurance at an extremely high. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, there, there, it's just, it's a great example of when you don't pay attention to expenses, they can all get out of control. I, I mean, there, there is so much money being add- wasted here. I can add up over seven thousand dollars without even even knowing his real details. So they they are clearly way off on I, there. So that fifty thousand dollars that you you did the math, you should have. And I, I just spent it pretty fast on in my head. So well, and, and I'm not uh, clear. Sometimes I, a lot of homework. To do. Yeah, he he does. We're getting there. Sometimes people just misspeak. I. I I didn't catch where he said that was both business and personal, but clearly it's not right. Um, I think we've got the business well, numbers down pretty solid because he he has been doing profit gauges and and his business numbers make sense. I, I don't really see anything missing there. I just see a real challenge to try to survive with those kinds of expenses. Now, today was the first day I saw his personal numbers, and I immediately found a problem. The budget looks great, but if the budget's that good, where did all the cash go? Yeah, well, because it went into, you know, they're spending at least $600 a month on food that should be in his Dave Ramsey budget. As you, you know, you pointed out, every dollar should have a name right now in his life. You can spend $600 a month easily just to feed oh, yeah. yourself, and yeah. that wasn't in his budget. Now we're we're uh, he's. Oh, I just wanted. Uh, yep. Yeah, no, I, I I get it, and I agree. Um, the good news is he's he's cooperating. He's doing what I'm asking, and there's a chance we might help him survive. And I think other people are learning from this. Um, you can't just buy a truck and cooperate it and think you're going to survive. It, it worked in in a good market. Uh, you know, I've been even interacting with people on Twitter and totally other industries. I'm just fascinated by business. And I have been finding screwy business models that actually worked over the last couple of years. Our economy was so goofy. Um, I don't know if I talked with you guys about this or not. I found a post online where this young 20-something said he had the whole financial thing figured out. He went and borrowed a bunch of money and bought cars. He financed a bunch of cars and he was renting them out on one of those apps. I think it's called Turo, where you could just rent your personal car out to people. And he actually put up all the numbers. He's mm-hmm. like, look, this this makes sense. It's like almost passive income. I don't have to work very hard. I own these, but I went through the numbers. The guy's toast. He's not going to make it now. It worked when it worked because it was such a screw economy, but he was posting this like this is a legitimate business model for near passive income. Well, well no, it's not. It's not going to work in a normal economy. This this is an important point you're making here, Kevin, because no matter what people tell you or what you hear on social media, we cannot control markets. Markets move up and down, and we have... That's virtually right. zero control over that. What we have control over in the trucking industry is our expenses. And despite what people will tell you, we have almost total yes. control over that because we can slow down. We can stop idling. We can do good preventative maintenance. And they have a dramatic impact on your operating costs. So you're in control when the market moves. Let, let's give another just extreme. Like this guy. He thought he had it all figured out. Let's the give market an, moved. He's done. Let's give another extreme example of what you just talked about, how much control we have. 
And I'm not saying this model always works, but it works really well sometimes. And if you understand that, then, then you'll get it. Here's how much control we have over our expenses. You could have easily gone out and spent $240,000 on a new truck a year or two ago, or you could go out and spend $20,000 on a truck. Which one makes more revenue? Well, that's a loaded the question. Revenue will, <laughs> exactly. The revenue will be, will be identical. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You mean I can invest $20,000 and generate the same revenue as if I spent 240000 but that but. you're right. That's true. You can. And I'm not saying it's always the best model. Clearly, I can make an mm. argument for a new truck in the right situation. But that's the point. We sure. have control over all of that. And we have to make the right if, decisions at the right time. If you don't understand the degree to which we have control over our expenses and how to manage the expenses, you know, th- then I think you're just lost before you even get started. And especially when it comes to a new truck, you know, if you're thinking I'm buying a new truck, I'm just going to run out 80 mile an hour. I'm going to idle the truck. It's new. I don't, I don't have to pay attention to any of that. You're sunk. You got to have a hood. You got to have a hood. You're you're just plain done. Uh, Done. If, If you have to, you know, have all this chrome and stuff put on the, on the truck and whatnot, which, if you can afford it, I've got Go, do no it. problem with it. I'm not right. opposed to it. Right. But, you know, it's all about controlling your expenses and, and time management, speed management. That all has a huge impact on controlling it, your expenses. Preventative it, maintenance versus maintenance to failure. All the things that we talk about have a huge impact on controlling it, expenses. And when the market's up, nobody gives a damn about any of it. Now, everybody, I mean, I am just getting blown up. Phone calls. I, I had like 600,000 interactions in the last 90 days on my stuff. I'm, I'm just maintenance stuff. I mean, just it's crazy. But two years ago, I couldn't have got six. Right. You right. know what I mean? Nobody well, cared because they're, they're just raking in money. Yep. So, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, along that line with what you're talking about with expenses, I just saw a good post the other day that an old timer had told this driver when they were getting started and they got in the truck and they were driving and they were going to become an owner operator. And he said to the person, there's two gauges you need to pay attention to your speedometer and your fuel gauge. Which one gets your most focus will determine what your profits are. <laughs> Yeah. You know what? You know what I actually heard from somebody when I tried to say what you just said, Joel, you have to understand how much control you have. Their answer was, well, I don't have any control. Fuel can go up overnight. The shop rates have all gone up. That's not what we're talking about. You're right. You can't control that part of it. I'm ready, ready to pull my hair out. So I have been talking to guys that are spending 60, 65, 70 cents a mile on fuel. Alec, where are we at? 33, uh, 34? The, yes, exactly. The, the owner-operator that I'm working so hard to try to save his business for him. We're going through his personal numbers. I've had him on the show three times. I've got him scheduled to come back again. First call on Monday. I really want to help the guy. Uh, his fuel cost right now is 68 cents a mile. 
Yeah. I was, I was just talking to a guy. Hey, Bill, my heart. Same exact situation. 68 cents a mile. He's got a big truck like, oh, payment, a big trailer payment, a big insurance cost. His maintenance is running about 30 some cents a mile and his fuel is 68 cents a mile. I, I, there's not a lot to work with here. Well, somebody no. got to keep fun, funding the Middle East. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. No, well, hang, hang on a second. If you have his contact information, we'll include him in the GoFundMe account. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> yeah. I, I could use a little help with this when I really want to help the guy succeed. This will be a total coup if we can keep this guy in business. Uh, and I'm always up for a challenge. But boy, it, it's challenging. It's really challenging. All right, let's grab another call. How, how open? Oh, how, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, how open-minded is he to actually change in anything? He he is actually very open-minded. That's that's why I'm so willing okay, to work good. with him. Good, he's good. not he's not arguing good. with me about any of this. He's not saying no, you're wrong. That, that he and he's also not blaming anybody else. When I point and I, good. I I've good. been good. 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 really hard on this guy, and when I point it out, he says, "Yeah, you're right. I did do that." Because yeah. one of the first things I typically get when these guys will call me is the first thing they'll say is, oh, I need help, but I ain't going to go buy no damn Volvo. <laughs> I'm like, oh, 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 okay. How am I? I'm like, oh, okay. No, this guy, the reason. Well, well, you, you, have them to call, you, you, you have them to call me then, right? Because, yeah, well, you know, they no, said well, that I with a freight liner. I, I, I'd send them to you. <laughs> Yeah, right. I don't that's, care if it's a freight liner or what, but yeah, I, <laughs> Jeez, look, I, don't, I don't care if it's a diamond Rio, if it makes sense. Right. No, that, that, that's, that's exactly right. You're, you're a hundred percent right, but you, they, they're very close minded and they want the, you to work miracles for them. And, the, and you just, you just, yeah. The reason when I you're am looking for help, please try to stay very open minded. That's why I am. I will. I, I'm at the point where I'm almost going to do anything to help this guy because he's he's Good. worth it because he admits he made the mistakes. He's willing to change. And no matter how bad I beat up on him, he never gets upset about it. Good. So Good. And that's a difficult thing to do. There's no doubt you're you're swallowing your pride when somebody's. Yeah banging on you and I, i've heard i've heard you kevin you like to bang on some guys at times and and I, I, I it's, it's, it's for their own good but that's hey, that's that's damn hard to take for a lot of guys i get it let, let me let me explain how bad this got on friday i said okay we've been through your business numbers and they're just bad there's not a lot we're going to be able to change you've got equipment we can't do anything with we might be able to work on fuel mileage, but I, I've even got to be careful about that. You don't have any extra money to spend right now. I said, we need to go through your personal numbers so I can see what's going on at home. And what he said was, and I, I've been working with him all week. I've been beating up on him. And, and he said, well, all right, but I, I, I'm heading home, so I, I'll get those on Monday. And this was yesterday. And I said, look, if you get them together today, tomorrow, I've got three other people on the show that could really help you a lot as well. This this guy may become a project of all four of us here. And and he said, well, yeah, mm -hmm. he was kind of hem on around. And I, and I actually got to the point. I said, look, I've really thought about this. And I said, based on our conversation today, I really think you should just hang up the keys. I don't think you've got what it takes to make this. 
And he's like, what? What do you mean? Why? And I said, mm-hmm. I, I said, I'm not hearing the killer instinct. I'm hearing that you are on the edge of losing your business, but you don't want to take the time today to do your numbers because you're on your way home. I, I just, in my mind, that's not somebody that's going to make it through this. But you know what he did? He went and did his numbers and called me back first thing this morning. So he's willing to change. That, that's, that's all anybody needs. Just be willing to change. And he is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that it's was pretty harsh. A long way. And it will. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty harsh. I, yeah, I don't yeah, know if you, I would have been able to put up with somebody uh, telling me that. Uh, 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 <laughs> on occasion, Kevin. On occasion, you're. <laughs> uh, but no, I I get it. And, 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 and we, it separates the wheat from the chaff. I mean, you know who you're dealing with at that point. If somebody's willing to stand through that, you know damn well that you're going to be able to work with this person down the line. If they get all upset, take it personally, and they they want to run away, don't waste your time. So I get it. All all this, I, I get why you you're do it. Where you're so mean from. to him? I, I was pretty mean. I was feeling bad myself. But but what, here's here's all this guy needs. Where's the equity? And, and now I understand this. This guy only needs one thing. He just needs knowledge. He's got everything else he needs. Uh, yeah, that is true with a lot of people. They've got the work ethic. You know, they're not afraid to, to spend the time on the road. They, they, they just need to learn a little bit more or just look at something from a different perspective. Right. A lot of times, uh, the whole speed thing, a lot of times is a big hang up for a lot of these guys costing them thousands and thousands of dollars. They're overestimating the money that's making it to the bottom line from that speed. They don't understand the cost of speed. Uh, and, and that's something that we should really work on. There was a, a data guy that had, had written an article called the cost of speed and he, he broke it down per hour. And when you start looking at it that way, it's like, Oh my gosh, you're just pissing money away. I mean, it, it's horrible. You're flushing it right down the toilet. And, and that should be something that's on the, on the forefront of everybody's mind as an owner operator is the cost of speed. You need to understand what speed costs you in order to understand is that extra load that you're turning actually worth it. And most of the time it's not, you can make more money reducing your maintenance costs, saving fuel that goes directly to the bottom line that you're in control of rather than a load that might come through in the future. So you <laughs> hey, really got to understand. It all that. comes down to doing the, the math decision on it. Like this run that I'm on this week again, 3,860 miles. Yeah. You got to run at the beginning, hey. but I know that, and I know it, 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 the numbers have been run on it. So, so, so I just, other ones were nope. I, I just want to throw this in, and then we're going to get to a couple more calls. But the um, the group that I've, I've kind of been—I don't even want to say fighting or debating because it's not a debate. It's kind of funny to me that this new owner operator association (NOOA)—they've um, all got me blocked, so I don't know what they're doing half the time, but. People send me the stuff they post about me because I can't see it. They've got me all blocked. So here was their latest post. It says, I don't even really understand what they're referring to, but it says, I guess at least we got them thinking and digging. Wonder if we can get an apology. Let's go ask Kevin Rutherford now who is going to destroy the trucking industry. The same people that have been destroying it for, for decades. So I've been destroying the trucking industry for decades. Is that you? Me. That's yeah. 
I've been destroying the industry for decades. That's what they're claiming. Well, well, how do you feel about how do you feel about that? God, I didn't know I had that kind of power. I feel pretty powerful now. Wow. <laughs> wow. Then you're just one of well, well, you're just one you. of those merit-based idiots. I must be. That's what you are. <laughs> you're ruining it for everybody. Yep. You're ruining it for everybody. You expect somebody to stand on their merit and make right decisions and run their business like a business and you're ruining it for everybody. I have been told multiple times, every time I post the truck showing 11 miles a gallon that brokers just take that and, and they can decide to pay less based on my single post <laughs> of 11 miles a gallon. And I am ruining it for everybody. Uh, oh, I'm glad uh, that you and Kevin have taken some of the weight on that. I used to be the one ruining the industry, but uh, you know, Oh, my God. All right. We better get to another phone call. Let's, uh, let, let's go to Tennessee. Ilya, welcome. Morning, guys. How's it going? Good, good. Can we ruin your business for you today? Good. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. I'll, I'll, I'll take the coaching. All right, good. Uh, happy to learn. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at uh, three Volvos. Uh, Kevin, I was talking to you uh last week uh about getting the oil samples uh like before i purchased a truck i found a dealer that will let me get the oil samples you sent me the ecm reports for them already excellent um i was just curious what you guys thought of the gear ratios there uh there's three of them two of them are 2018 vnls and one of them is a 2017 uh two of them are 264 and two and one of them is 228 they're all about the same mileage and about the same price. Okay. This is the 2028 a direct drive? It's direct drive. <laughs> it's going to be a direct drive for the yeah. year. I'm betting the 264 if it's an overdrive. Uh, yes, the yeah. 264 will be overdrive. Now, my question is, what's your duty cycle? Do you have a dedicated route where you know the weights, the terrain, and it's going to be the same all the time? Or are you running various different routes where you need a lot of flexibility? Probably various. Uh, I'm actually a company driver now. This is going to be the truck I buy to uh, lease to a carrier. Okay. You're going to want to go overdrive. Overdrive will always give you more flexibility than direct drive. There will be times in a very limited, narrow scope where a direct drive can be very, very efficient and really kick ass. You got to have a dedicated route pretty much to really make that work, especially with a Volvo, the way where we make horsepower down low. It, it direct drives a little more touchy with, with a Volvo. So definitely go with the overdrive. That's going to be what they call an XE package. Um, did they have the horsepower ratings and stuff on them? Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, let me pull them up. Actually, I have all three of them open. Mm. No, nah, I can't get it to load. Um, okay. All right. Well, let me, let, let me just tell you this. It's it's most likely going to be 425 or 455. There's an outside chance it's 405. If it's 405, I would suggest that you bump it right out of the gate to either the 425 or the 455. Uh, if you're in a line of work where you are running at you know gross most of the time, go ahead and bump it to have them bump it to 455 and try to make that in your deal if it's not already. Uh, if you have intermediate weight freight, uh, like general van freight, where your average is around 65,000 pounds gross, that 425 will, will run just fine for you with that 264 overdrive. It, it'll make you a decent truck. Okay. 
And then um, what were the, what were the two Volvo shops that you always recommend? Oh, Alec, we got the guy in Wisconsin, the guy in North Carolina, um, Diesel Brothers, Patrick Spillman. Is is that Kenosha that he's in? Yeah. Yeah, he's in Kenosha. Thanks. And then um, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um, well, I guess the real question is, where is this gentleman located? I'm in Tennessee. He could go so to one going night. over to uh, High High Point uh, is to go see Clint Back- Bankston is probably the closest one, um, mm-hmm. and uh, but that would probably be the best. You know, I wouldn't go to Wis- I wouldn't recommend going to Wisconsin this week anyway. So, do you have um, their you contact information, Alec, where you could pass that along or give those guys a plug for the Volvo people? I don't have it in front yes, of me, and I'm uh, driving. Yes, you are. Let me see if I got Clint in here. Clint, Clint. I do not have it. But you can just go to the Volvo Truck Masters Facebook group, and uh, you'll certainly find him there. Okay, awesome. And then, uh, do you guys have like a recommended list of like upgrades and maintenance to do, like right when you get the truck for like efficiency and everything? Well, if so, you follow the Facebook group, uh, Joel just put something up and he got crucified for it. So <laughs> that would be my recommended list. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you're going to want to, if you don't know the history on it, I would have the overhead run straight away. Um, I, I would put a boost sensor in it, a fuel pressure sensor, the overflow check valve I would replace. I would clean off the crank and the cam position sensors and have the have the valve set. Clint is as good as anybody in the country at doing the valve set on the Volvo. So, and, and Patrick is, is very good too. Both of them are good. Um, I am an air dog fan, uh, especially with the downsped uh, Volvos. I would, I would call Jay Armistead at, over at air dog and talk to him. They have a, 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 a dual component system now that I really like. I have on, on my personal truck. Uh, the fleet air filter is, is always a good thing. Have them check it for boost leaks. Uh, get on a 10W30 semi-synthetic or full synthetic oil, and um, you should be you should be good to go. I, w- I was listening. Okay, I, anything I, with uh, getting it tuned or anything? What's that? Uh, do you guys recommend a tune for it or not so much? Or it doesn't? I, I I I am not not a fan. Um, I, I don't know that you need one. If you're looking to get fuel mileage and you're not wanting to run up hills at, you know, 700 mile an hour, the truck will run just fine at, at 455, 1850. Um, and it should be a nine mile a gallon truck without a whole lot of effort. Now let me let me address no. something there because it, it might sound like, you know, we're talking out of both sides of our mouth or we don't agree because I was just talking about how much I like my tune. I completely agree on this truck. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't tune this either. There, I don't see any reason to. They pull great. You get good fuel mileage out of them. We might be able to go in there and tweak a little bit, but I kind of doubt it. Um, on the other hand, there are real improvements we can make with tuning on a lot of the early 2000s trucks. And it, this one's another. And, this is an 07. And, and you might. You, you might be able to, after you establish a baseline, right? And if right. you've got an area that you say, oh, "I think I think this is weak. I just don't like it," but get that baseline established first. I think you'll be happy without it. But if you're not, there are people that that can do that sort of thing. I've never personally had it done, um, so I I can't make any recommendations. Kevin's had it done before. Um, he seems to like certain things. 
if you find an area that you want to address, it can be addressed, but establish that baseline first, run it for six months, get a real good feel for the truck, and then then think about something like that. Joy, you know, one of the things Leroy did on, on this tune this time on this A-cert, um, guess I didn't understand this. I don't know a lot about the A-certs, but they had split injection. There was actually two different injection mm-hmm. events each time. And he just... Oh, we've got mm-hmm. four, four or five nowadays. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. it, so I, I, I understand yeah. why it was supposed to work, but on this, it did not work. It may have improved their emissions somehow, and I think that's what they were shooting for. But when we turned that off, throttle response got much better. Mm-hmm. It was a significant difference. I, I would probably agree on the older injection systems they they didn't develop enough pressure. They couldn't respond fast enough. You know they've got a a, a feedback circuit and a, and a feed forward circuit, and they're trying to talk back and forth to understand how to adjust for knocks. I, I get it on those older ones. I, I think he's probably right. Just do away with the stuff. Today's stuff is so fast exactly. and so accurate right. that they've really got that that type of stuff dialed in. So yeah, I agree with you on that. Yeah, it's just to the point where we. Um, if I may, I. We're dealing with a big enough spread of technologies now. We're still running a lot of late 90s equipment. I still like some of that stuff. Um, But when we talk about things, and I've said this forever, the one thing you should never, ever do on my show, and people do it all the time, they call me and they go, you said to do this and this and this, and I did it, and it didn't work. And and I'll I'll listen to them and I'll go, wait a minute. I, I don't remember talking to you about those things. Oh, well, you weren't talking to me. You were talking to somebody, and I'll stop them right there. Then don't take advice I gave somebody else. Well, my situation's exact. No, it's not. It's never exactly the same. Don't take advice I gave (laughs) somebody else, apply it to something different, and then call me and tell me it doesn't work. So the same thing here. There are times we talk about boost, and there are other trucks where boost is completely meaningless. There's times we're going to talk about tuning and other times where I tell you, no, don't tune that truck. Leave it alone. So people just have to understand every answer we give is specific to the question and the person we're talking to at the moment. Right. You would never take an old big cam Cummins and put a 205 rear axle ratio <laughs> with an overdrive transmission on it. You know, yeah, exactly. you, you no. would never do that. Right. It, right. it would not yeah. make sense. And, it, and it would make perfect sense to do on a, on a new Volvo. I yes. mean, complete. and even today's new engines, it is surprising when you look at the horsepower and torque curves, um, you know, how early some make their horsepower and how late other ones make horsepower. And you really need to understand that, that power and torque curve to really understand how to gear a particular engine. And they are not all the same. Henry's is a little bit different than what mine is, right. which is a little bit different mm-hmm. than the Cummins. And, and so it is not just, you see me what I'm doing with my Volvo and you go to put that in a Peterbilt, you're not going to be a happy camper. <laughs> not going to work. No. You know, no. and I'm not saying that I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying it's not going to work. There's there's probably ways to make those trucks run very efficiently, but it's not the way that the Volvo works is not going to work on a pack car or Cummins. Right. And I don't think people quite get that. They just see, oh, look, that's a 205 overdrive. That's what I'm going to put in this truck. It don't work that way. No, it don't. Hey, I I do have the number for Clint if if you'd like. Yes. Go sure. Yeah, that'd be great. 
It's uh, area code 336-776-0090. I was waiting for you to say, and call now, and we'll throw in the... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And tell them Purple Haze sent you. There you go. Okay, we'll do it. There you go. Tell them I said hi. Well, you you know what Purple Haze is down here in Texas? They got a bunch of shops. (laughs) (laughs) I sent Joel a picture of that. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Dispensary type shops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And lingerie. Uh, Yeah, dispensary and lingerie all at once. (laughs) Hey. You have to go to another call. All in in one spot. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Yeah. All Um, right. I I looked, by the way, two of the trucks are 405 horsepower. One of them is 425. You said the 425 is better? Uh, if it's the, if it's the two sixty four, depending on miles and stuff, you can have that. Anything that Volvo builds from four Oh five to 500 is simply programming. There's no hardware. There's nothing. So they can flash that horsepower to wherever you want it. If that four Oh five has way less miles and has a better oil sample, just kind of negotiate with them and see if they'll flash it for you. And, uh, uh, Would you necessarily you know, want them to turn it up from 405? Because I know a lot of people on your duty that. cycle. Yeah, yeah. If you've got a light, you've got a lightweight duty cycle, the 405 will run just fine. It's mm-hmm. not going to be real happy with a 264 um, uh, pulling, you know, a, a reefer around at 80,000 pounds pounds in the hills. You're gonna you're gonna want to bump that because it's going to keep you from downshifting as often, and we want to keep that piston speed low. So there you go. The reason I bring that up is the 41750s in the Detroit line. They liked the 216. It was okay with yes. the 228. Yes. But they really ended up liking being geared way up there. But the whole party was in the basement on those engines. Just keep in mind that on a Detroit, they tend to be a little happier with revs than the Volvo. Uh, the Volvo has a smaller bore, a little bit smaller valves, a real heavy crank, and we don't like revs. They, it beats us up. Uh, the the DD13 and 15 are both a little more happy with revs than than, than what we are. So, um, so which is what's important. What you're talking about there, every engine yeah. for not only the duty cycle but the engine. Yes, it's not that cut and dry. I, no, it is not. I, you're I'm, you're uh, exactly right. I'm a little shocked to find that my C13 actually performs best around 16 or 1700. That does not shock me when you look at the power curve on that engine. That is by no means a, a downsped power plant, and it's not going to – you put no. that down around 1,100, and it's going to just fall. Oh, it, it, it probably it, spit the crank out the bottom, too. It, but, it, yeah. it probably would. It feels awful down there. Yep. 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 It's definitely, definitely not designed to be downsped. No, now that I've got... I think Kevin needs gonna, a silver 92 still. I, I, I'm thinking we that... Yeah, find him one of them. I think so. <laughs> I think we're, we're on to that. All right, Ilya, anything else we can help you with? No, that's it. I appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's grab our final call today. I'm going to go to Pennsylvania. Darren, you get the last word. All right. Hey, thanks for taking my call. I got kind of two questions. Uh, first one, I kind of just want an opinion maybe from all of you guys. I'm going to run over my setup a little bit. 
and the truck that I got now. And I'm just curious uh, what your thoughts are on whether or not it would be worth upgrading to a new truck for my business. So anyway, I have, I haul pallets. So I run one-way loaded, um, one-way empty. I pull drop deck, 52-foot drop deck trailers. Um, I currently have a 2013 Freightliner Coronado with a D-Deck 460 Series Detroit in it. And um, I got a 6x2 setup with 264 gear ratios. And my current fuel economy, 90-day average, is 8.79. What's and the... back in the summer, I was up at, I was up at 9 what's... for the 90-day for a little bit. When you've got a load of pallets on, what's your gross vehicle weight? Uh, um, I don't weigh very often. It just depends on whether it's hardwood, softwood, how wet it is. It can vary, but I would say average weight is probably 60 to 65,000. And then there's some that are lighter. And then I've had, I actually had one load where I was gross at 83,000. I got a ticket for it because I didn't know it was that heavy. So <laughs> it just depends on, uh, it depends on the wood and how wet it is. Wow. That's quite and a And Kevin, another thing with that type load, because I used to do similar work to that. I hauled chin link fence. This whole load is a parachute. Oh, I, I, oh, yeah. it, 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 it I, drags hard I, when I'm loaded. There was a time Real for a while. Hard. There was a time for a while when I was doing P and D work for Spartan, and I'd leave out with ten or twelve stops, and you know, end up with five or six pickups. And I used to have about two hours in the afternoon where I really didn't have to do a whole lot, and it wouldn't have mattered if I did because my late pickups would hold me up anyway. And I found a local guy who needed pallets moved around all the time. And I'd go move pallets for him in that two hours. I'd go, it paid really well because he needed somebody to do it. But what a difference when I hooked up to that flatbed load of pallets. Um, you're right. It was oh, yeah. awful. Yeah, I was shocked at how bad the, the drag was on that trailer. Yeah, most of my guys, like I got a, in my area, there's a lot of pallet guys. And their average show economy is probably I, I, they're not tracking it like i am but if i was to guess i would say five and a half to six that's about doing right. the same thing i'm doing yeah that's about right so how, um, how fast are how fast do you run i run in direct at 55 to 57 nice okay that's that's what i have a 13, speed. Know, I have a 13 gotcha. speed transmission so i run it in 11 so let me gotcha. ask you then I, I don't know how much deeper we need to go on this to answer your question what is your uh, however you want to give it to me, revenue for a week, a month, a year, just what is the revenue moving this stuff? Well, I should actually pull my profit gators up. My my profit per mile at the end of September was about a dollar eighty a mile. <laughs> um, I do know that, but I don't have my revenue. My revenue last year was two hundred and fifty five thousand, and that's on eighty thousand miles. I average eighty thousand a you know, year, and I it, hit two hundred and fifty thousand. Here's the thing I love about a Wait question. Wait a minute, that's like impossible. This. The rates are low. <laughs> it, <laughs> our, our, uh, you know that rate right now is five sixteen a loaded mile. So it's like two whatever comes out to two sixty or two fifty eight a mile, I think. All miles. It, it, sure. Somewhere it, around there. It, here's the thing I love uh, about it, this. You're hauling cheap freight. Yeah. Here's what I love about this question. I've got an answer for you. But um first off, I like a question like this because your question of should I keep this or should I buy a newer truck? Uh, we could go back and forth all day on the numbers. It's probably, there's not going to be a clear oh, yeah. winner on numbers. And honestly, I, I could take that back. I think the clear winner on numbers would be the truck you've got right now. 
I, I don't think we could go buy a new truck and do any better. It would be more of a lifestyle choice. The thing is, you've got the revenue to cover it if you want. This is one of those where you could flip a coin. You'll probably be okay either way. Um, I would just say in today's market, I would be more conservative and I would just hold on to the truck you have. Yeah. Yeah. My, my, my question, my, my question was, uh, are you using the overdrive when you go back empty? I'm not because at 57, I mean, I've tried it already, but at 57, if I kick it into 12, I should just do that right now. It puts me down at 11, just a little under 1100 RPMs. Which well, I was going all better. the way for 13th. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> you're empty. Okay, I'm 55 right now. 56 and 13th is, is 900. <laughs> so yeah, that's a little too far on that engine. <laughs> yeah, little little deep for that Series 6. Uh, well, we could do that, Joel. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I'm right now running down the road at 55 and overdrive, and I'm running at 800 with 20,000 at the box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, for me, I run 1,300 loaded, and I'll take it down to 12 before I... Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, Series 60 is a different this... animal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So, for okay. Sure. Well, a, a, any... that's good enough. I was just curious. I, I love the whole... Any, anybody that? have any real good argument why it would... I'm not saying you couldn't go out and buy another truck, spec it to get 11 miles to the gallon in this operation, or 10 Unless... plus, I'll bet. Unless he has crazy, stupid maintenance costs, this just purely comes yeah. down to what do you want to do? Right. You know, this yeah. Is, yeah there, there's no right or wrong answer, really. He's not running a big mile. What, what you want. Yep. Yeah. I bought this truck in 19, end of 19. It had 428,000 miles on it. Uh, I paid 65000 for it then. And right now, if I was to sell it, it's a glider kit with the pre-log engine. It, I'm pretty sure I could get probably 70 to 75 for it right now. And I'd still at 700, some 760,000 on the engine and I'm, my old samples are looking good. I have put like the most expensive thing I did to this truck was put the lift axle conversion kit on it and change out the gearing. Okay. And other than that, it just runs and runs. I have to look up my report to see what my actual maintenance cost is, but it is, it's very low. I know that. So good. Good, good, good. I, it, yeah, it sounds in, like just hold on to it. In today's market, I'd hold on to it. Good enough. Yeah. Last question. Drive tires. I have a little bit of a wear issue because of my left axle. I do not have, it's just up or down. Um, I base it off, I have a load gauge on, and I can uh, know what where I need to be when I need to run it on the ground. So I get a little bit of, uh, I have the Michelin X-Line Energy Ds on right now, and they're getting a little bit of a, uh, I forget what you call it, but the torque, whichever way I have them turned, yeah, I have to rotate them pretty often because they Neon wear it out. There, there you go. Heel heel toe. 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 I want to go with an all-position tire the next time I get tired. No, no, like, no, 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 not on that. No, 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 no. Okay. no. Okay. And no. What would you recommend? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One, your heel and toe, what, what I would re recommend to you being you have a manual one is one, with, with scaling out and figuring where you are. For one, the heel and toe will go away some as it wears down. But the other part is to uh, put some sort of proportioning valve so that you load bias it onto that drive more so you have less slippage sending all the torque to one axle without the, without overloading yep. your steer. Yep. Okay. The, the other, my other question is, you run the engine brake a lot? 
Um, not a lot because I use I use the hills to my advantage, so I'll I'll let it roll up. Right. Okay. Five okay. Good. On the downhill, so I don't use it much. When you do now, Volvo's actually coming out with a deal where um, it will integrate the foundation brakes to the engine brake because they're finding that the heel toe wear, especially on ultra low rolling resistance tires, is is horrific because of the engine brakes develop so much power these days. But just try to you know lightly drag your foundation brakes if you're running uh, an engine brake at all, and that's gonna probably help that heel toe wear to a certain degree. The other thing is, you know, you really got to get into some torque management stuff that you, you really can't do with that engine to, to solve that problem. You're always going well, to have a certain degree. They have some yeah. of that in them that he can torque limit them, the, the old D-deck fours in the lower gears. If, if there is some torque limiting uh, in the lower gears available, that's going to help dramatically as well because when you start to multiply the torque going to the tires and the lower gears, it's astronomical and you're, you're pumping them all through one gear. And if you're not biasing the weight to hold that, that tire on the ground, you're, you're always going to see a certain degree of that on a, on a, I'm going to call it a dumb six by two, not in a derogatory way, but, uh, it, they're, they're problematic and you just got to be careful. You know, the other Let's thing go with I've, primitive six by two. How about that? Yeah, there you go. Primitive. Oh, primitive. Yeah, the, there you go. The other thing oh, that I've found you, that are helps, you showing some equality? <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that I've found that helps get, get the tools you need to swap your own tires, rotate these in an X pattern and, and that where evens out somewhat that helps as well. What do you have on the tag mm-hmm. axle for tires? I actually have, um, it's just an all-position Firestone that I run on my drop decks as well. It's the five FS561s. They're yep. just an all-position yep. straight tread. Um, yep. And the rolling That'll resistance, work. I think, is one point higher on those than the Michelin, whatever the Michelin, I don't remember the Michelin number. So they're very, very similar in rolling resistance to the Michelin yep. trailer just tires. Don't, don't get hung up on rolling resistance in the drive position because as you get lower, the slippage goes up, that heel-toe wear gets worse, the tires wear out faster, and it's it's uh-huh. in most instances when you go overboard on rolling resistance on a 6x2, it's counterproductive. It's going to cost you money. So be. I'm running the like the XDN2 uh, wide base single on mine, and I'm going to be over 11.5 miles a gallon for the week this week. So don't get hung up on it to the point where you're putting them on the drive axle because it, it will cost you yeah. if, if you get too aggressive on that. Yeah. I mean, I do have, I already have 210,000 on them and they are, I'm going to get another, if they keep wearing like they are, I'm going to get another 150 on them. So I'll be, I'm, I'll you be are baby in your truck. I can, I, yeah. I can tell you right now that you are, yeah. you're one of the more careful drive because it's not unusual in a fleet scenario to be yeah. taking them off in a hundred thousand because yeah. they're shot. So yeah. I've seen 80. Yep. Yeah. yeah you, uh, um, yeah, this, no, is, no, my, this you, is my hobby. You have good no, torque. No complaint on your, your driving skill. Yeah. You have good torque control <laughs> yes, with your yes. right foot. I can tell. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, Absolutely. So I, I, I called in a, I don't know, a month or two ago, Kevin, and you had said about bringing me on the show sometime with my numbers, but just, it's, it's, this is just so much fun. Everything I learned is from you there, Kevin. And I just, just for a little bit of a, I mean, a little bit of a brag. So I'm, I'm 30 years old and all my equipment's paid for. So I'm just having, Congratulations. I'm having fun out here. Just uh, awesome. working, awesome. working my job and it's my hobby awesome. at the same time. Good for you. So. 
congratulations. Great call to end the I got one know, quick question. Not, on, on, your, on your primitive lift, does the one I used to have on a straight truck actually had a regulator built into it that I could wait bias it out some? Does yours have that at all? Uh, honestly, I couldn't tell you. It was I just bought the lift deck so used, and I had a local shop put it on. They just put some for big fancy air valve back there, and it, it's just hooked up to a switch in my uh, dash. Oh, you're up or down? Okay, mine up had down, a switch yeah. in it. <laughs> Yeah, look at look at putting some sort of an air regulator into the line so you could back off the pressure on the lead axle. Make sure you check your steer axle weights and your drive axle weight that you don't take either of them down. But if you get that drive axle more planted, you will have less of that heel toe wear and yep. less slippage. Yep. Yep. Yeah. No doubt. Uh, yep. well, that hey, hey, just just so you're aware here and and. And it's, it's not bragging when you can back it up. And it's great when guys like you that are doing it and getting it done, come out here and tell the world and tell the world how you're doing it. That's, that's educating people, not bragging. And I get beat up for this shit all the time. Oh, you're just bragging about bullshit. You're flexing on us and you're doing this. No, <laughs> if, yep. if you want to take it that way, take it that way. But it, to me, I would have loved to have had somebody when I started back in the day to take me by the hand and say, look, here's what you need to do, you know, yep. and, and here's, here's the real world numbers to show you how it's done. Uh, yep. would have saved yep. a lot and of why? heartache and exactly. So, you know, you're always going to have the idiots that say, Oh, you're just out here bragging, but no, you're, you're educating people and we need more guys like you to speak up yeah, we do. and say, Hey, look, right. this is, this is how, this is how it works. And this is, this is how it's done. And, and, uh, congratulations. I mean, awesome. Uh, bring it up my friend, because, because that's, that's you're in a position that not a lot of people are in. Yep. No, for uh, sure. In my area, everyone always said pallets were cheap freight. So that I'm, I'm hauling the cheap freight out here and I'm going to, I'm going to keep having fun doing it. I just said people oh, like, oh, 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 wow. <laughs> well, welcome to the club. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. Welcome to the business. Good stuff. Yeah, welcome to the club. On, uh, you're, you're part of the problem like like we are. Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I... Awesome. No, I, that's an awesome call. I, I yep. just read another comment on social media about how expenses <laughs> oh, no, are... Oh, no. All of our costs are through the roof, and the entire industry is shit because of the people just hauling to cover their fuel. And I, I, I ask people, mm -hmm. without getting too deep into this, oh, okay, if you believe that everything has got to accept rates and the people hauling to, just to cover their fuel costs are the problem, all right, I'll meet you right there. Tell me what your that solution is. is. <laughs> to, tell me what your yeah, solution to right. that is then. Because I don't disagree with what you're saying. The cost of everything has gotten crazy. Yeah. I, I get that. Rates aren't as strong as they used to be. I get that. Tell me what your solution is, though, because I come on here every day and I come up with the best solutions I have. Know your cost, control your cost, build relationships. I, I, but what I'm not yes. hearing any solution from these people that tell us we're all wrong. What is their solution? They automatically assume that their world is everybody else's world and that if their costs are 
through the roof and they're paying 68 cents a mile for fuel that everybody else is too. They're making that assumption and the assumption's wrong, obviously, but until you can open your mind and see beyond your little world, you're going to continue to make foolish statements like that and make assumptions that are completely wrong. And and just scream that fuel has our rates have to be four dollars a mile. And then when they say that, I ask them. You can be like uh, I I ask them again. You can be a matchmaker. Tell me how that's going to happen. (laughs) What what can you do, or what can anybody do, or what is going to happen? to make rates $4 a mile? I'll answer the question for you because it's a rhetorical question. Nothing, nothing that's never going to happen. There is never going to be a minimum $4 a mile rate. So why do you keep talking about that? Uh, Yeah, there could be in 20 or 30 years from now if things keep inflating, Kevin. (laughs) Well, no, no, that will will happen. It'll be driven by the market, though. (laughs) No, I I was going to say that will happen when when communist China takes over our country. Then it might happen. Sure. Right. Well, Mm -hmm. well, you know, rate will be $4 a mile. Fuel will be eight dollars a gallon. <laughs> a new truck will but be think, about, think about nine hundred thousand. How much better things will be though when we're under the the Chinese model? We'll have to go bribe Minister Cho <laughs> over at the transportation uh, uh, ministry, and then we'll have to. I mean, you'll have to bribe all these officials in order to get just to be uh, in business. Yeah, but we're making four bucks a mile, right? Yeah, but we're making four <laughs> bucks a mile. <laughs> yeah. And and they'll probably relax the weight restrictions. Yeah, it it, it really comes down to... Don't enforce anything. Yeah, you you can't (laughs) debate because they have no solutions to debate. I put up a solution. They tell me I'm wrong. Uh, Okay, now where are we going to go? Well, tell me your solution and let's talk about yours. And then everything gets changed. They have no solution. So they go back to complaining about the same problem. We've got a solution that we can absolutely show. We're 30, 34, 35 cents a mile for fuel. We can show this. (laughs) And so the solution's there. It works. It's real. And we don't have to go to the government. We don't have to demand $4 a mile rates. And we don't have to bitch about how everybody's a crook. Wait, wait, wait. wait. uh, I have the answer for that. No, 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 Joel. It's not that easy because I've heard this answer about a million times. Well, not everybody can have a fuel cost of 38 cents a mile. Why not? Uh, You could. (laughs) Yeah, you can. Why not? Or or, or I will say that, you know, if we get, you know, Mark back on here with this car hauler or Paul with his car hauler, some guy that they may not get 38 cents a mile, but they can achieve Ah. a fuel mileage that makes sense in their world. Yes, they already get the $4 a mile. Right, exactly. You know what I mean? Right. Everybody knows that that is right. So, I mean, if you really want that $4 a mile, go buy a car hauler. That's what makes you happy. (laughs) I'd rather control my expenses, and it's it's about what what you make Yes. You know, kind of a pricey buy a car hauler. Uh, yeah, it sure as hell is. <laughs> All right. But it's a little bit of we, we have blown right. through our uh, three hours for the day. I'm going to go. Now that you guys have me all inspired, I'm going to go do some writing for my keynote. <laughs> well, Kevin, I've ended, I'm ending my week soon, and I did it perfectly. 
I've used up everything. I'm just about out of hours. My low fuel lights flashing and my low def lights flashing. I've hey, used it all up. It's, hey, don't victory is mine. Don't don't put any fuel in that truck. <laughs> it's just gonna sit over the weekend anyway. And if you don't put any fuel in it this week, your right. profit'll look better. That's right. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, the, the condensation that happens in my tank, no, no worries with that. The injectors will thank right. you for that. Yeah, that's right. Well, it'll make it yeah. so you don't have to put as much fuel in if you have water in there. I, you know, I, I they actually teach this, you know. I've seen it. Yeah, there, I know. There, yeah, there are I've, fleets I've that it, yeah. teach this hey. strategy. Only buy enough fuel to get you through this load. Don't put fuel in if you're just going to be sitting on the weekend. They actually teach this like it matters. Uh, Kevin, the worst one I came across that way, and, and I got to talking to the guy at the truck stop because we ended up eating next to each other. And when I was out there, ones that 57 mile an hour was it. That's where he was going to make the most money. But he was doing 57 downhill. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, he, and, and he kept hitting his brakes to keep it at 57. Oh, he wanted to keep his, yeah. And I'm like, uh, no. Don't work that way. <laughs> All right. We better end oh, it now. Funny. We better end it now. Awesome. Great, great stuff, guys. Good show. We'll do it again. Uh, <laughs> think we'll do it next week i'm not really sure with the event going on what my schedule is going to be next week so i'll uh i can be live with you kevin i'll be there too yeah we if the schedule Besides, works Ke out kevin, I might you're going to be uh, in destin florida uh, uh, no that'll be the week after i got to get through the event first i have to earn All that right. trip to destin <laughs> there you go <laughs> but if there's an opportunity maybe we will uh you know what? I didn't bring extra headsets with me, I don't think. Normally, I carry a bunch just in case. We'll see. We'll, uh, maybe I'll have somebody send some down. Maybe we will do something fun at the event on the show. Um, thanks, as always. Yeah, Joe will be there, too. Joe be cool to drag in, too, wouldn't he? That's right. Yeah. Going to be a lot of... Yeah, so I'll... Uh, I, I, can't afford to, I can't afford to take him off the road. It's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> just right. like a dispatcher. You're the problem, Alec. I know. Exactly. I'm, I'm happy with that. There you go. All right. Good stuff. We will see you back here next week. Have a great weekend, everybody. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.